This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. If you guys haven't heard of this podcast before, you are a fucking loser. So, <laughs> so we have a very, very special guest today. And this guest, I got to tell you, it's I have always wanted to interview somebody who is a dating expert. So uh, what a lot of people don't know on this podcast, and I, I've given dating advice, but my dating advice is very fucking loose because I really don't know what the fuck I'm talking about well, with any topics. But <laughs> like they'll ask specifically on this podcast, I think it's because when they look at my prototype, right, and they go, oh, this guy has had girlfriends before. They go, I'm a loser just like him. How the fuck did he do it? Mm. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's offensive. But second of all, you just go out there and you see what happens, right? And that's the only advice that I could really give because I've never – I never really thought twice about it, right? I think that um, I think it's just because I'm a funny dude, so I always use comedy to go ahead and talk to women. But not everybody has that skill. So you, I, I don't even know if people like this though. Do you like the term pickup artist? I don't like the term pickup artist at all, and I don't have any pickup artist friends that are pickup artist coaches. I think they're slimy and not real and pretentious. Yeah. So this is Cosmo, by the way. Is Cosmo your Cosmo's not your real name? So my real name is Alvaro Orlando Manrique. That's fucking tight. That's <laughs> a, that already gets you pussy right there, dude. That, that's it. That's already done. <laughs> my name is David So. Done. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. The Adventures of David So and Alvaro Orlando Manrique. <laughs> um, so my real name is Alvaro Orlando Manrique, and my um, I guess breakdancing dating coach name is Cosmo. Oh, so you b-boyed as well? Yeah. What in the fuck didn't you do? Dude, I have a crazy story, man. Okay, so first of all, before he even came here, I found out that he was a Golden Gloves amateur boxer. If you guys don't know what a fucking Golden Gloves amateur boxer is, that's like upper echelon when it comes to amateur boxing. That's fucking insane. How did you – okay, how did you get into – well, let's, let's, we'll go to the B-boy shit. How did you get into boxing? Um, I got into boxing by getting my ass beat a lot of times in Miami, and I'm like, I need to learn how to protect myself. And um, it it was a sense of um, you know you know to be honest I'm just gonna tell you when I when I was small I had um like a lot of anxiety hmm. had a really bad relationship I'm just gonna like getting right into the oh yeah for stuff. sure I uh, had a bad relationship with my mom and I was like the perfect kind of like you could see me at 45 being a fuck up hmm. and um why that came from is because I'm I was always worried about the future you understand it was like oh my mom's like she would get into fights with guys oh shit and i came from a really rough childhood and the one thing that kept me present was boxing it kept me in a moment it made me feel like i don't think about the past or the future and it just was like the biggest release of like endorphins i was hmm. at peace the dichotomy right like getting punched in the face and feeling like completely yeah. tranquil yeah and that's why i got into it and a lot of fighters get into it because they have that 
something to get out that like they've been mistreated or they have that rage. I've never met a really rich um, person with no childhood issues get into boxing and excel. I've never met one person. Yeah. So it's a sport you go into to to get out a lot of your demons. You know, like, because I, I just started doing kickboxing maybe two and a half years ago, right? And then when we started switching over to boxing, first of all, like boxing is such a, a difficult physical science, mm-hmm. right? Just, I think... Um, there's so many parts to it that I didn't realize. Like, like specifically, anybody could just start swinging their fucking arms, right? But when you meet, when you meet up with somebody who's a technician, they're precise with their punches. It's a completely different story. They could see every single move that you're about to do. And I think when I first started boxing, and that happened to me, I got scared. I was like, I can't. That was the first time I felt like, no matter what I throw, this person is going to hit me in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a very frightening fucking feeling. It's like, oh, this there's a there's a complete difference to boxing and then street fighting. Yeah, street fighting, you'll see what happens. Whoever gets cracked first is probably the per- person that's going to lose. But when you box somebody and you look at their face and they have no emotions, it's like this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> the thing that's very, I absolutely agree with everything you said. Street fighting, if you think about it, you puff up your chest. You're like longest street fight, like 15 seconds. Let's think about that. One. To, that's a long time in boxing. You have a long time yeah. in that ring and you cannot quit. Yeah. So you can't lie about anything in boxing. And a lot of times, if you feel like you're like a fraud in some areas of your life, boxing will just nail you right there. Yeah. Like, no, dude, this is what you're about. Did you did you want to make boxing into a career originally? Um, I did, but I in my heart, I knew I was not never gonna be top 300 fighters in the world. Oh, really? I knew it in my heart. And um, so when I discovered acting and being in front of the camera, I, without sounding cocky or anything in my heart, I do feel like I'm, I have potential to be one of like top, I up there. I think that's the, that's a, the hard part for a lot of people. They feel like they have so many options, but when you kind of hone in and you feel like something is right for you, that's what you really have to tackle. Cause I think a lot of like young people nowadays, they go, well, I can do whatever I want. That's very true. But you have to take the time to kind of figure out what you're going to be great at, mm-hmm. right? And I think sometimes we can fool ourselves into believing the things that we want is the thing that's going to cause us to be really great. Because mm. like for me, I, I think I, I originally wanted to be a musician, right? Which I still do music on the side. But then for me, I tackled doing comedy instead because I felt like this was really my calling. And I had to drop that for a second. Not mm. to say that you can't pursue that at another time, but it's kind of where does your talents and your heart lie? And that's the hard part where you have to make that choice. It's like, I enjoy this, but there's something else that's going to be my calling. And so you went from that to acting. And then from acting, you went on the show. Was it The Pickup Artist? Yeah. So what, what what was that? It was a show on VH1. Yeah. So let me rewind just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I was born and raised in Miami. And then, yeah, I got into fighting, boxing. And then um, at 18, I um, started working for a Spanish network called Univision. Okay. Everybody knows Univision, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked for like the Spanish opera, like Don Francisco, right? Okay. So when I was younger, I thought I was the thug. So I had all these the dreadlocks and all that. But when people would talk to me, I was really friendly. Mm-hmm. I'm always about positive vibes, emoting, like just being your true self. So the Don Francisco would call me like the gay thug because I, I was a walking <laughs> yeah. contradiction. He's yeah. like, bro, you look like you're tough. Then I talk to you and he's like, you're soft. He's like, you're, you hug people and you yeah. give people compliments. Like thugs are supposed to be like, man, fuck you. I don't like you, bro. You yeah. know? So one day he froze in front of national live TV and he did that a lot. He liked, he liked to mess with people. Mm. So I was behind the camera and he's like, 
Floribon, ven pa' aquí, on national TV. And he got me in front of the camera, and he's like, I want you to do a skit. I'm going to put a wig on you, and you, we're going on a blind date. And you have to try to seduce me or whatever. Because he would try to make people feel uncomfortable. I've never in my life been in front of a camera, ever. And as soon as I got there, bro, it was the weirdest feeling. I felt like I did in boxing, but 10 times more comfortable. Huh. With a high intensity of like panic and knowing that millions of people are watching me, I shined. I just was in my element. I came in out of nowhere and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm Francisco. And I got into character. I'm like, what am I doing? And it felt like my higher self, like something took over and was like, bro, this is where you need it, what you need to do for the rest of your life. And then I got done and he looked at me in a commercial break. The whole audience got up. They started applauding. Shit, I'm getting chills right now. <laughs> and, and in that moment, I'm like, I'm going to dedicate my entire life to this till I'm 99 years old. Like my entire life, I'm going to dedicate to this. I moved to New York one week later. I sold my car. My family thought I was going nuts. My friends were like, bro, are you okay? I left because for the first time in my life, I'm like, this is what I need to do. And a week later, I moved to New York by myself with $2,000 in my bank account. On the third day in New York, I got hustled for 1700 So you do the math. What in the fuck? Welcome to New York, bro. I was like, what? How did they hustle you for $1,700? So as an actor, you don't need to pay to get an agent. They only make money off oh, of you. But shit. I just got there and I was on 42nd Street walking. I'm like, I'm going to be an actor. This is going to be my calling. <laughs> and one guy smelled like, oh my God, this guy is like, you know, cattle. And he came up to me. He's like, you have a look. He's like, you have this look. So he's like, give me $1,700 and I'll be your agent. And I'll take headshots and I'll take you out to auditions. I'm not lying, dude. A week later, I went to the, to the place, like this, you know, this, yeah. kind of this room. Nobody was there. They were gone. They took maybe like 30, 40 actors. So I'm bad with math, like 50 grand, 45 grand. Holy shit. That's like a, an episode of Friends. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. fucking crazy. I would be Joey. <laughs> <laughs> you just walk in, you're Joey, dog. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, man. So from, okay, so you got stripped of 1700 bucks. You had $300 to your name. What was your next move after that besides crying? I, I was crying for a long time. I moved in with my cousin in this little room in Spanish Harlem where I would take my little boombox and my red bandana and go breakdance at the park. One day, these gangsters, all bloods, I should have noticed, didn't notice, they stopped me. And they're like, um, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Miami. They're like, very calmly, they said it like this. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill you if you don't take that bandana off. And the reason why, all in Spanish, and the reason right. why we're not doing it right now is because you look so out of place right now. Oh, shit. And I'm like, and oh, we're talking in Spanish. I'm like, pero que lo que pasó, this and that. And then he's like, the red bandana, take that shit off right now, bro. And as he's talking, I've never seen this. He takes a razor blade out of his mouth. And I take my red bandana off and I have a little boombox that it all found a left, y'all. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? My life is a movie right now. Yeah. And all the guys behind him, you see him like kind of running up. And he's like, so you're Miami. I'm like, yeah, I'm Cuban, Colombian. He's like, I'm gonna believe you, bro. He's like, don't ever wear red in his neighborhood. I, in 116 and 3rd Avenue. This was 2002. Holy shit. Brother, I was like, yes, sir. And then he's like, what do you do? I'm like, I break dance and I move for acting. He's like, well, we all go smoke weed at that park. Where do you break dance? I'm like, at the park. Not lying, dude. They would go by the bench, all smoke and do other drugs. And they would just watch me break dance on um, the linoleum, clapping, being like, yeah, vete, chamaco. 
So like oh, everywhere, shit. like God was telling me like, yo, you're getting away with your being an entertainer. Like that's yeah. saving your life right now. So I lived in Spanish Harlem for a while. Every time I saw the gangsters, they loved me. They're like, uh, he's an artist. He's like a dancer, goofy guy. Yeah. And then um, I got cast on his national TV show called The Roof, where I would interview people and uh, walk up to them in the street and be like, hey, and say stupid shit. Yeah. At this point, I hid it from my family, my friends that had trouble talking to women. Um, and in Miami, I lied to everyone. I said, bro, I'm getting so much pussy. I have so many prom dates that I'm not going to go to my high school prom because I have somewhere in Boca Raton or in West Palm Beach that I'm going. I lied to everyone. I had no prom date because for my whole life, I could never walk up to a girl and talk to them. But I was like you. I was very funny. I was quick. But that only got me so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, because then they they would get the like endorphins, they would laugh, and then they would go have sex with the alpha exactly. or like someone else. <laughs> so I would like get them revved up, and then they're like, "I'm out." Got to close the deal. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, this whole time in New York, I'm struggling with I'm struggling with that. I'm booking a lot of indie films, eating tuna, um, just a rough dude, just like really rough to like typical Hollywoody story, right? Like really rough. Um, and uh, would break dance in a subway for like eighty dollars a day, dude. It was just tough. And then um, I call my cousin one day in, in Florida and I'm like, yo, I'm moving out to L.A. next week. You want to come with me because I need you because I heard in L.A. everybody does cocaine and they're crazy and they're all plastic <laughs> and I'm going to go nuts. And he moved out with me, man. Oh, shit. And within very quickly getting to L.A., I get cast on a huge reality show. And that was the and pick- that was the pickup artist. What was the objective of that show? Uh, to learn how to talk to women. Oh, so wait, so you were somebody that was being taught how to talk to women? 110%, bro. Oh, what the fuck? I've never in my life, and I promise you, have walked up to a girl before that show and said, hey, how you doing? I'm Alvaro. Nothing. I've gotten laid before when I was young only because the girl did all the work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, dude, you're cute. What are you doing? I'm like, nah. (laughs) So like, literally, I, I couldn't hide it anymore because it was affecting other areas of my life. Um, and so I was one of the eight losers and a very tall Canadian guy called mystery, the world's greatest pickup artist taught eight losers how to talk to women. Holy shit. I thought it was the, I thought you were the pickup artist on the show. I was absolutely not the guru (laughs) at all. And if you guys haven't seen a pickup artist and I'm going to make you watch it, bro, it is, it'll make you laugh. And then in like episode three or episode four, it, it took everybody by storm. And there are like tearjerker moments in there where the, America's watching. They're like, oh, shit, this is real. Like, this is really bad. Hmm. People going through depression, social anxiety, like this is really bad. Yeah. Damn, I'm getting a lot of chills today. <laughs> um, and so it's, I'm very proud of it. But at the time, I, I was not. Why not? Because I'm an artist. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. We were talking so, about yeah. that before. This. I'm an artist. I want to do this movie, my boxing <laughs> yeah. movie, and I want to and I want to dig deep. And this is like a reality show. And like at the time, like Kim, Kim Kardashian was blowing up. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. like I was like, I don't want to be these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And I resisted it. Um, but um, yeah, man. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I I um you know the my mindset changed when I got my first suicide letter. And somebody said, um, hey, you don't know me. I saw your show. I'm from Europe. And watching your show, I just wanted to let you know I got over a bad breakup and was thinking of killing myself. Wow. I saw you win the show. You get, my God, here we go again. I got <laughs> chills. I mean, I got, I got um, motivated to live life. And I, I, I want to live now. And I think I'm worthy. When I got that, I was like, oh, 
talking to myself, you're a selfish prick. Mm. You're only thinking about yourself. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm an artist. It's like, no, how could I help people and empower people? And when I started to have that outlook, everything in my life changed. This podcast is brought to you by Purple, my friends. If you've never placed your body on a purple mattress, you have no idea what you are missing out on. My whole life, I slept on some of the crappiest mattresses, mattresses. I don't know how to pluralize that my whole life. And I and I kid you not, like sleeping on a purple mattress has really changed my perspective on sleep. I didn't realize how important it was to have a great mattress. I didn't realize how much time I did spend in my life trying to sleep. Well, guess what? When it comes to comfort, Purple Mattress has got your back. Let me just name a couple of reasons why it's awesome. It has guaranteed comfort. There's no hassle shipping. Every Purple Mattress ships free and is delivered right to your door. If you're not completely satisfied, the Purple team will help you pick up your mattress at no cost. Risk-free trial. Purple is purple. Purple is so confident in what they do. Every mattress comes with a 100-night risk-free trial. If you guys are sleeping on something uncomfortable and you think that it's okay, you are absolutely wrong. You can mess up your back from that, mess up your sleep. And when you sleep better, you think better, you feel better. And it's great for your immunity. Did you know that? When you get a good, solid, whatever, seven to eight hours of sleep, it helps your immune system. Yes, it does. I didn't know that. My doctor told me that. So check it out. Experience the Next evolution of sleep, go to purple.com slash GB and use promo code GB for a limited time. You'll get $150 off any Purple Mattress order of $1,500 or more. That's purple.com slash GB, promo code GB for $150 off any mattress order of $1,500 or more. Terms apply. So for you as, as I mean, if, if, if not the, the coinage or the term pickup artist, then what, what is something that we should... I like social empowerment. Okay. So for you, when you when you're like socially empowering people, right? I mean, I I'm always trying to figure out when when guys always ask another guy, right? Like, how do you talk to women? How do you do it? Like, why why is that so important to men to want to always have to have this ability to talk to women? Like, uh, it it wasn't really a stress in my life. I think when I was younger, when I was like maybe 13 or 14, I was trying to figure out how to do it. But after a while, I kind of was just like, ah, fuck it, and see what happens, right? Mm. So, in, in your opinion, with these people who, you know, for example, that guy who emailed you, what, what's like that male importance to have to constantly want to to grab a girl's attention and make them like them. Like what, what's that obsession about? I'm assuming you're in a relationship right now. Yes. Okay. Let's say, I'm sorry. I'm going to just going to yeah. go into you real quick. So let's say that you got a breakup right mm -hmm. now. Hopefully it never happens. And because you're human, you're going to get heartbroken. You're oh, going to yeah. get sad. So now let's put you in a headspace of like two months going in this breakup. Where do you think your head's at right now? Two months into the breakup probably still really depressed. <laughs> yeah. So like after three, four, five months getting after the depression, like where do you think you would be if we can get kind of like take a ballpark here? And I know these are kind of deep yeah. questions. Hmm. I know throwing it back at you. Well, I think maybe for me, I think just like most people, I probably deflect into work, right? So instead of having to deal with my emotions, I would deflect it into something else, right? You just nailed it. Yeah. Because most men, they, have you ever heard of a beautiful girl going, I can't wait to make $200,000 a year and get a Ferrari so I can fuck a guy. So I can get <laughs> yeah. the guy of my dreams. Yeah. Never. Yeah. But how many times do you see guys going, I'm going to be a CEO and I'm going to make a lot of money so I can buy a Lambo and get mm. a beautiful girl. You see, for guys, we're hardwired that way, right? To have a beautiful girl in our life, whether it's physical or emotionally, somebody that can make you laugh, they make you feel alive. But what happens is when you run against that, 
you nailed it. People get into work a lot. They get obsessed with work because they're like, well, I just got to work. I'm too busy. I can't go out. And they hide from the fact that, no, dude, you can do work and you can go out and get the girl of your dream or mm-hmm. the girls of your dream and go out and be social. But you you nailed it. Like you would get into your work a lot. Yeah. That's what a lot of people do. Smash cut to three years later. They got a breakup three years into work. And now they're like, okay, I'm going to Vegas for my friend's bachelor party. Um, holy shit, I have a problem talking to women. Like they have uh-huh. that awakening moment of yeah, going, yeah, yeah. oh my God, I've been numbing myself this whole time. So that's what happens a lot in my cases. They 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 go, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good till they're not. And then they go, okay, I need help. Yeah, I could kind of see that. Because if, you, if you've, I guess in my case, if that happened and I just deflected and I went towards work for maybe two or three years and it's like, hey, it's time to date again. Okay, what the fuck do I do, right? You nailed it. Because I was in a relationship for, I don't know, was, well, now it's six years, right? It's six years and everything was fine. I didn't have to go ahead and practice these skills. And then hiatus three years. And then now it's like, hey, date again. I might be like, okay, what the fuck do I do now? Were you born with talking to, having the ability to talk to women? Do you say, do you think that you were born with it? Because I wasn't at all. No, I mean, I, I think just like you, I had... I still do have major anxiety. So I take CBD shit all the fucking time. Mm. I think like the, the, the biggest difference that I've seen from uh, other guys who are very similar to me, I also had this other, this other problem of like, I don't want to say problem, but my motivating factor is that if I, if I can pinpoint and recognize something that I feel is a flaw in myself that I can change, I want to beat that shit out of me. So, <laughs> you know, when I had that anxiety thing, you know, I was like, you, you, this is a you problem. You can fix this. Nobody's stopping you. It's you. And so when I I just kept doing it, that's how I got into stand-up. Like stand-up mm. to me used to like people don't understand. When I used to do stand-up, that shit, I can still remember what it felt like. It felt like there was an anvil in my fucking stomach before I went on stage. And it used to hurt me, like physically hurt me to get on stage and tell these jokes. But then, you know, that that part of my head that was like, shut the fuck up. Just go and fucking do it. And so I would just go up there and if I bombed, I bombed. I didn't care. And I think at the end of it, what I realized is you're still alive. Mm. Like you're not dead. What would have happened if you didn't go up there? Like you have everything to gain, but nothing to lose. And so that that kind of thing is the the one, I think the biggest difference that I have compared to some of the other people who are asking me this advice, you know? You know, it's funny. I have UFC fighters that are my clients. Oh, really? And I look at them and I'm like, bro, you're getting in a ring fighting the best fighters in the world. And you're telling me you can't walk up to those four girls right now? They're like, nope. Really? Promise you. Uh, Hollywood promoters, uh, karate teachers, Navy SEALs, um, an ar- a general from like an army, like the craziest people that do the like things that I could never do. Go walk up to those four girls with the two guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, Cosmo. Let me let me just get a drink. No, 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 no. Right now, hold on. They they can't. They cannot. What 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 is that? Ego, humiliation. Hmm. I rather get my ass beat. A UFC fighter's thinking than to walk up to four girls and them go, "You're such a loser. Get out of my face!" And all the people behind them laughing at him. That is their worst nightmare. That humiliation is like people's worst fear by far that I've seen. It's really rare that um, you can walk, you can like talk to someone that is so comfortable walking into humiliation and rejection every day. And when you usually meet that person, you don't want them out of your life because they're operating off of such a high frequency. Yeah. Like, 
oh, let's go out right now to Olive Garden. I'll go talk to three girls in front of you. But Cosmo, you're going to get rejected. Nah, so what? Like, that's such a big time freedom, at least for me. Yeah. Like, being able to walk up to anyone, anywhere. It gave me so much freedom. And a lot of people don't have that. That's so interesting because, you know, I had a friend of mine who uh, who was on this podcast and he does a podcast with me every now and then. And he has that that issue right there. It's before he even starts, he sees the rejection and the rejection, it paralyzes him. Like he 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 just can't like I would talk to him about and on the podcast we talked about um, like a rejection that he had before, which wasn't even really a rejection. But when he tells the story, he tells it like it happened yesterday and happened when he was 14. <laughs> you know, wow. so I'm like. You know, I'm asking him, I was like, when, when did this happen? And I, he's like, when I was like 14 or 15, I'm like, bro, you're like 26. You know, that's a trauma, right? Like, I know we're joking around, but yeah. that's like a trauma. That's yeah. like a trigger for him. If yeah. he's 14 years old, how is he? 30, 30? He's like 26 or something like that. I mean, that's a trauma. Yeah. That's over 10 years ago. He's talking about it. That That's traumatic. Yeah. And like, when I, and I'm, oh shit, I didn't even think about that. It, yeah. It, but we don't think of it because we look at romantic comedies or we look at YouTube skits and we're like, oh, look at the guy talking to a girl. Hey, how you doing? And so <laughs> we we cover it with comedy. And, but when we take away the comedy, dude, it's dark. Yeah. These are, look, I'm getting chills all over the place. I don't know if you remember Elian, whatever his name was. He killed like eight girls, ran him over in UCLA. I think it was like eight years ago, Elian oh, something. We can Google it or whatever. Yeah. He hated pickup artists because oh. all he wanted to do was ask a girl out and he couldn't. So he killed people instead of fucking calling me and being like, yo, I have problems talking to women. Can you help me? I swear on everything. I could have changed that kid's life. But he was so anger and rage. The women are bitches and this and that. He killed people and then killed himself. These are huge things that we don't talk about in America. In high school and middle school, fuck all these electives. We need to have social dynamic classes. Yes. Where, a, oh my God, I, I like a teacher will go, okay, we're going to get a guy to come up. I know there's eight girls here. How does he walk up to girls? How does he ask you for a dance and really talk about it? But because America's so cool, we don't want to talk about that. Man, nah, this ain't shit. We don't need to talk about that shit. Yeah. It's a big problem, man. I, I really do agree with that stuff too, because I think a lot of the stuff that, you know, younger people deal with, that I dealt with when I was younger, um, it's it's that social dynamic part that people don't really focus on. So what, sometimes when I go on these college shows, and these kids know it too, and I, and I just try to have a regular conversation with them, I'm like, you are socially awkward. Like nobody taught you how to converse with the person or even socially interact with somebody that you don't know. And I think just seeing that, and that kind of, obviously that will translate into them trying to work with the part, whether it's a female or a male, mm. right? And I think that part right there is has always been a weird issue for me. I don't know if it's because we do so many things online now that they don't have to be real. Cause I'll see some of these kids, right? And I'll see how they write to me uh, on Instagram or when they DM me, right? I'm like, this was not the person that I met in person. Mm. If you could speak like how you speak to me here in real life, you would probably get rid of that anxiety that you have. But it's so interesting. I, I I wonder if it's because people can hide behind a screen and, you know, their Instagram or whatever, that they don't have to practice these things. So when it actually comes to them meeting somebody, um, they kind of fail at it. Like, for example, I have a friend right now who's, um, she's doing online dating, right? She's coaching? No, oh, she's, no, she's, she's doing, okay. She's doing online dating. She's, uh, I don't know which app she's on, but she was just telling me about the date that she had with this guy. And the moment that she, I, I, she came back a little irritated. I was like, well, what happened on the date, right? 
And she goes, well, we're, we're talking. And then he just kept grilling me with questions over and over and over and over and over. And I was like, oh, I could kind of see what he was trying to do. I was like, well, what was he trying to do? I was like, he probably read something online that says, don't make the conversations about you, make it about her. And so he just kept asking you questions over and over and over. I was like, he's a little, you know, socially awkward. And that's really what it is. What was her feedback? Like, what would she have wanted for him to do? I think she, she what she said that she wanted was a, just a casual conversation. And I think what he was trying to do was he kind of probably had like ticked off these boxes of conversations that would lead into something else. And so instead of listening to what she was saying, he just had the questions that he wanted to ask. And so like for that, I was telling her like, well, he's just, he's awkward. <laughs> you know, it's not because he's a bad guy. Like for example, on the first date, he goes like, what do you think about the BLM stuff? It's like, bro, that's a very heavy first date conversation you know i just felt kind of bad for the guy you know because he's trying i i know know what he's trying to do it's like he's trying to make her feel comfortable by asking her questions versus him just talking about himself but he didn't allow a segue to happen and he went straight to blm it's like you know that's a that's a deep conversation on a first date right yeah absolutely and when somebody tells me that the guy's trying i'm so empathetic towards all these guys that are struggling but he's not really trying because if you was trying, just like if you hmm. w- and me wanted to lose 15 pounds, we would just go to the gym or we would get a coach. That's the problem that I'm talking about. Like they want to just like shortcut to something. They he Everyone should go out and get a coach, a dating coach or go, you know, public speaking and try that out. Like there's no shortcut to being calibrated or socially savvy. There's no shortcut. Like hmm. you have to learn the art form, the craft. If you don't know it, I, w- I wasn't born with it. I wasn't born with it. So I had to learn it. And um, unfortunately, there's very little women. And you see, your your friend is not even in this category because she couldn't describe it. She's like, I just wanted a casual conversation. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? You see what I mean? Like yeah, very yeah, yeah. little girls can actually go, look, Cosmo, tell your friend that when he said and they break it down. But that's not the girl's job. Girls speak emotionally and intuitive. Guys are logical and rational. So the girl's like, I wasn't feeling him. He had bad vibes. But I'm like, but why oh yeah like what does that mean yeah so therefore they're never gonna learn from the girl because you're gonna keep making the same mistake because a girl can't give you feedback Mm. she's just gonna say you make me feel weird dude or you're too intense or i I was trying to have a casual conversation i hate it when my homegirls tell my clients just be confident and be yourself yeah that's a very weird one you (laughs) don't really need to take cosmos boot camp I love him, but just be confident and be yourself. And then I'm like, all right, let's go out tonight. They, they go out. This has happened so many times. And I'm like, hey, Mrs. Dating Coach, right? Go help him out. She's like, okay, sweetie, come here. Yeah, just be confident, right? How you feel? Anxious. I know, but don't feel anxious. Just be confident. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I want you to be yourself. But I just got a divorce and I live in my mom's basement. Okay, just go approach her. You see how that doesn't work? It's yeah. like... Sometimes you have to actually have like things planned on what you're going to tell a girl. So when you freeze up, you have a backup plan on like what you can do. And the guy that your homegirl went out with, he had a checklist. And I do believe that you should have an agenda. And to be honest, I don't know if a lot of people are going to push back on this on your your, um, platform. I believe in pickup lines more than anything. And here's Hmm. why. Yeah, exactly. But I but I think I do. I, I'm going to tell you exactly why. So I think once you know what you're going to say, your key points when you're walking up to a girl, like you know that every time I talk about my dog to start the, the story works and then I have these routines. 
it frees up the guy to kind of like not worry about what he's going to say or what, or, or like I'm running out of things to say. And what, what happens is he starts to really focus on like the delivery, um, the way he's going to make the tone, how he's going to make her laugh. And it gets them more creative rather than a guy. If I teach him all mindset and I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I also do like NLP and hypnosis. So I teach him mindset. They're good, but they don't have like a strategy in place. So mm. they kind of get lost. So usually the person that has like the routines and stuff like that, they get ahead and they get better. Oh. And ultimately after 12 to 15 minutes talking to a girl, you can let go of that. And now you have room to really play and make mistakes and things like that. Uh, so the pickup line is more of a, of, a, of a segue to get you in your comfort zone. And so once you, once you do it repetitiously, it just gets better and better and you kind of hone it down a little bit. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. So what do you think, how would you coach a guy? We had a guy right now, we're going to a couple of bars down here. What would you tell him to say to a group of three girls? Like, what do you think his hmm. opening line could be? If you had a guy right now that was like, brother, can you help me? Like, what do you think you would say to him? Damn shit! I don't even know. You dude. know what I mean? That's what we, that's what we don't talk about that. Yeah, I don't. We, we don't never talk thought about, about that. that. Yeah, because it's so tough. Because I think I was like your homegirl. Where I was like, "Yo, man, just you're." I know you as a good guy. They'll know you. You're a good guy if you just open up and just get out of your head. But what the fuck does that really mean? That's probably some really terrible advice that I give. Yeah. So mm. I have a mm. pickup line that works every single time. And I've actually done this at a club or events where I've told a girl the same line. Like I came back an hour later and I told the same group of girls. I'm like, hey guys. And then they're like, you told us that an hour ago. <laughs> Dude, with my technique, what yeah. I with what I coach, I stayed there. And actually those three girls that called me out are still my friends right now. And I still hang out with them. Wow. So there's no way that you can reject me unless you're literally like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, stop. Mm -hmm. I respect that. But when they said that, I plowed through and I got them to laugh. And it was all about like, so let me just tell you the best pickup line that I think. So you walk up to the, like everyone's listening right now. It's like, oh my God. They're like, <laughs> please. <laughs> so you walk up to a group of girls. And also too, I walk up to like, when I'm working, like it could be two girls and five guys. Guys could be huge alpha guys with tattoos. And I'll still walk up. I'll leave with the, the guy's number to be like, yeah, man, let's kick it. I'll hit a commonality with him. Uh, I like my objective is to make as many friends as I could. So I walk up and I go, hey, guys, uh, real quick. I just wanted to come over and introduce myself. I feel like you have really good energy. I'm Cosmo. I just had to say that. And I'm doing it with my hands like that to show you that I'm non-threatening. Just wanted to come real quick and say, bro, you have really good vibes, like good energy. That's it. And my, I'm acting as if I'm walking away. That's it. So when I'm opening with that line, it's only giving value. You're not getting anything. That's it. So let's say the worst case scenario, like real quick, just wanted to come over. Like I was literally with my boy David over there and it felt like you guys had really good vibes and we're about to dip right now. I just wanted to say, you know, whatever, my name is Cosmo. And then so they go in return. He didn't compliment me on my looks. He didn't ask me, what's my name? Where are you from? What are you doing here? Automatically, the last like 10 guys that came up to her, you're now unique. Hmm. And you can walk away with that line without getting rejected. I did it in Venice Muscle Beach. And I'm like, hey, real quick, just wanted to come over and introduce myself. Seemed like you have good energy. I'm Cosmo. She's like, thank you. I'm like, yeah, I get this. And I go into like, you know, all of my technique that I have. And it's not shady or anything my objective is to um you know um entertain her have a good conversation get to know her empower her brother 
her husband was walking behind me. Yo. <laughs> oh, shit. No neck at yeah. all. Just like Debo. Most guys, once the husband came there, she's like, hey, babe, this is Cosmo. Meet him. Most guys would have been like, oh, my God, dude. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I didn't. You see, that to me is shady. Yeah. She's like, hey, babe, it's Cosmo. And there's four seconds of like massive uncomfort. Bro, I look right at him. I'm like, your wife's awesome. Yeah. And I just talked to him as if like she was my homegirl. Yeah. And and then I just met her husband or her boyfriend. Yeah. And um, long story short, like three weeks later, they're at one of my pool parties. Like That's I'm crazy. totally cool. I never tried to have sex with her. Right. Yeah. I never did anything. I'm like, am I going to get in trouble for walking up to strangers? Like why? I'm not touching her. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just like talking to people. Yeah. So the minute that I stayed there and the guy is like, why is he not walking away? And why is he still talking to me all cool? He, and I hit a commonality with him. I'm like, yeah, I used to box. He's like, used to box, bro. I've always <laughs> been wanting it. So once I hit the commonality, which is another good technique, we were vibing. Yeah. Like it was all good. I think that one of the important things too is um, intention, right? I, I think like when guys come off really, I mean, this is just me thinking it's like when guys come off hyper aggressive, which I've seen a lot of guys do, that percentage rate of you opening that door is way fucking smaller. And so like I, because I have a lot of friends who are girls, right? And, you know, my fiance knows this too. And I think one of the things that they always told me is that my intentions were never, even if a guy says that they want to be friends, women are very intuitive. They're very perceptive. If you're trying to fuck them, they could feel that you're trying to fuck them. You know what I mean? And so I think like for me, well, my parents own a beauty supply store. So I've been around women a lot. Uh, a what? A beauty supply store. Okay. So like, I think I took on a lot of like these female characteristics as I went when I was younger that I didn't realize, when, you know, and it helped me out as an adult. Cause like when I speak to women, I'm just talking to you. You know what I mean? There isn't any intent behind it. Whether I find that, whether I found that girl attractive or not, it was just to talk. But here's where the game changes. Let me just interrupt yeah. real quick. What are you referring to? Like you're referring to the women coming into your mom and dad's shop? Or are you referring to women coming out around your social circle? Because what I'm referring to, it's cold approach. Like literally, like me and you hanging out at the beach and I'm like, yo, go talk to those four girls. You see how it's a little bit oh, different. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. I mean, there's there's a huge <laughs> distinction. If it was the cold approach thing, it was, it was still a little nerve wracking. But yeah. once I had a couple of shots, I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> you know? And I would just walk up. And you know, the rejection part thing I got kind of used to because of stand-up. I think stand-up kind of scarred me a little bit. It's like, once you go up on stage, nobody fucking laughs at you, and they think you're a fucking loser. Going up to one person and having them reject you kind of just didn't feel like anything anything to me at that point. Because I just felt like I didn't have too much to lose. I mean, I'm not saying I wasn't stricken with anxiety, but I, you know, like I said, I would always have that conversation of, you're not going to die, just fucking do it, see what happens. And I think for me, my success rate was low because I didn't have, like you said, a specific plan when I would go in and I would just wing it. And when I would wing it, it was like sometimes it was really great, but most of the times it wasn't because I didn't know where to, where to you know, jump off from. You nailed it. Let me go back to what you're saying, intention. It is intention, but first it has to start with verbal. So if I walk mm. up to a girl, I'm like, you have good energy. Bro, we're in 2020. Everything is about energy. Everything <laughs> is about good vibes. Everything is about law of attraction. And you can't really argue that. Like, think about it. What's the worst thing that a girl can tell me? No, I don't. Why'd you, why are you talking to me? Like, that's the worst yeah, thing yeah, they could yeah, say. Yeah. But if I come up, like all the guys do, hey, what up? What's your name? Vanessa. Oh, cool. Where are you from? It's like, why? Like, why are you sucking so much value from me, right? So it is about the verbal, but underneath the verbal, it is all about your intention. So how I coach is 
I'll make them say a line and under the line, I put an active intention to Mm. belittle her, to befriend her, to intimidate her, to seduce her, whatever it is, to play around with their delivery, right? So I make a really good analogy with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle can come up to me and say, fuck your mother, Cosmo. And I would be like, oh my God, I love you, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I pay you $20 for that? Because his intention is to make you laugh. Huh. Now, a regular guy says that, we're probably gonna get into a fight. But that it's all about intention. I know I'm programmed that Dave Chappelle's intention is to make me laugh, to entertain me. So he can get away with so much things because I know that he wants to make people laugh. Like mm. that's his thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go with the intention, my intention, what I always tell guys is, dude, just make them feel better. You have no idea what they're going through in their life. Just make them feel better. Yeah. And and if you get rejected, who cares? But what I coach is if you get rejected, do never, ever, ever call a girl a bitch or get mad at them. Of course. You're the yeah. idiot that didn't come with your A game, not her. It's survive and replicate, right? So she's weeding out the low value guys that she perceives that won't get her head in life. It's just, you know, if she's like, this guy is not going to be anything high value guy in my life, nothing personal, but I got to go to the bathroom. Or my friend David's, you know, like, don't make up anything, yeah, to yeah, just walk yeah, away. Yeah. But I hate it when guys get mad at girls for them just rejecting them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't teach that. I teach a guy, you get rejecting, go, all right, have a good day. Life's good. God bless. Like, and just walk away. Yeah. What is your opinion on this? Because I, I have my opinion on it, but I'm still curious to you. What do you, what do you think about this term, like friend zone, right? Because I know a lot of guys use that. And I've always hated that phrase since, since ever, because every time I saw a guy that couldn't, they're like, oh, I got friend zone. I was like, actually, they just don't like you, dude. Like, I don't know if it's a friend zone thing, you know? Yeah. So um, what I believe in is there's uh, three different sections. So attraction, building attraction with the girl, then there's comfort, then there's seduction. Um, because of the Me Too movement and everything that's going on, I never talk about seduction, nor do I teach it. So I kind of cut off at comfort. Three stages in attraction. Opening, first impression. Second one is demonstrating higher value. The girl's like, okay, so um, I don't think you're weird and you approach me, cool, confident, a lot of courage, but tell me why we should go out or like now it's your turn to talk, right? Third stage is now she has to impress you, which is the qualification stage. Now the guy is like, yeah, cool. So what, so what about you? What do you have going on for you? Like, what, so what are you doing? Now the girl talks about herself. Well, I want to open up a business. I've seen your podcast. You inspire me. I want to do a podcast too. And now you're at even levels, right? So you're out of the attraction phase and now you go into comfort. Three phases, comfort, trust, and intimacy. Yeah. I can feel comfortable around someone, but not trust them. So trust is bigger than comfort. And then after trust is intimate, being intimate with someone, you Wednesday night, Netflix, chill, like cuddling with them, um, like just emoting about your insecurities, things like that. I do believe that what happens in a friend zone is that the guy will skip over the whole attraction phase and he'll go right into comfort. Oh. So I do believe that there is a friend zone because she doesn't find him like I'm just going to be real. I don't want to be real, but like her pussy won't get wet. She does not fucking horny. She's not like, oh my God, like I want to fuck him or she she doesn't feel jealous. Like if he's like, I'm going out with my friend Amanda. She's like, all right, cool. She's not like, oh, who's Amanda? You know, that jealousy is a big thing. If the girl doesn't feel jealous about you, there's no attraction there whatsoever. So the guy just skipped into comfort and she views him as somebody that she can call if 
she's at two in the morning, had sex with a guy and regrets it. And <laughs> yes. then he'll pick her up and you'll <laughs> yeah. be like, want to go to in and out and eat a burger and talk about life? Like it is true. So they're stuck in a comfort zone. So they, so that's like a personal responsibility thing too then, right? It's like you placed yourself there. Absolutely is their fault 100% all the way. And there is a way to get out of it. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was in a friend zone with so many girls before I went on the show. I disappeared for eight weeks doing a reality show and I came back and I was a completely different person. And all the girls were like, who the fuck are you? Because huh. I had a huge like breakthrough. I had breakdowns on the show and I changed. I, I became like Cosmo 2.0, a new person. So when you separate yourself from the girl weeks, months, and then you come back as a new person, you could build that attraction again. It's the only way to do it. So you can, so even if you skip the attraction phase, you can, you can go backwards. But you have to let her, you have to let her wonder about you. She can't be looking at your IG stories every day. She has to be like, whatever happened to David, whatever happened to Steve, whatever happened to Cosmo. And then you come back a new person and now you build that attraction. That's so fat. I think that's something that a lot of guys want to know because that's the purgatory that a lot of dudes that hit me up, they feel like they're stuck in. Right. And one of the things that I didn't like was the personal responsibility thing. It's like, you have to set that precedence, right? Like you don't just end up in the friend zone. There, there's, there is that interaction that happens because I, I do know somebody right now that continually puts himself in there, and I couldn't like describe what it was, right? I don't know what it is, but when I see him interact with women, I'm like, you're already there. Like you're, you're already not. They're not already attracted to you, and he, I think he kind of confuses. Oh, they're talking to me all the time, so eventually I'll be able to, you know, go that way. It's like, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I feel like you're right here. And I don't know that those words. See, that's really interesting because I didn't know how to explain it to him. I could just observe it and then be like, "She's she's Let, like." Let's it. go out one night and bring him along, and I'll show I him. Would love, oh, I dude, would love. We should to. we should take some cameras and like record me out. We should do like another would, episode, and then let's go out somewhere, dude. And and you'll be like. I'll make you feel anxious because the shit I do. You'll be like, Cosmo, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Like literally guys got going. You're like, no, no, no. She's with three guys. I'm like, I don't care. I got to see that. That's fucking fascinating, man. Only because like I, what I like about this too is the fact of you're not coming from a point of motherfucker. I was born with this. You know, it was like, I'm you. I am. I am you. So if you think that you can't do it, I was right where you were. If you think about what we've just done in this episode, no dating coach would start how I started. Think about how we started this fucking interview, talking about all my insecurities, what I suck at in life, my my weak points. I talked about my mom and me not having a good relationship. You nailed it, bro. I'm one of them. Yeah. I'm not. Look, this is a typical dating coach. I would have sat here with your podcast. They would go to be a, to be a confident guy. I got to put my uh, voice up. <laughs> yeah. They would go like this to you. They would look at. They would like go like this. Yeah, man. So yeah, and they would play that game. Fuck that game, bro. I'm going to be myself when I'm around like this situation, especially I know you have a big audience. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm one of you guys, right? Yeah. But when I do go out, brother, I do have a switch where I turn on. Yeah. And that's why for me, every time I go out, like we go out, it's Halloween for me. Because mm-hmm. this is a fucking game, bro. Mm-hmm. The girls took an hour and a half to get ready and they act like they don't want to talk to any guy. A guy, a guy planned yeah, this whole yeah, week yeah. around Friday night. <laughs> Brother, I get to the lounge and I'm like, this is Halloween. Everybody's acting right now. Huh. Everybody has a costume. And you know what? I'm not going to be myself right now. I'm going to be a heightened version of myself. I'm going to be like on fire. And then once we talk, we're at the bar, we're chilling. Then I go back to be me. What up, brother? But when I'm going to approach the people, I'm in character. Just like you are when you do stand up. I'm in character. Yo, I like that too. It's <laughs> like, yeah, 
if she wasn't here to talk to anybody, why the fuck is she at a bar at Saturday night dressed up to the fucking nines? And then she goes, I don't want to talk to anybody. Oh, that's right. This, oh, that's so fascinating. That's why at the end of the day, uh, my job is to, I go out and I just want to make people feel better about themselves. But I will be honest with you, brother. When there's a girl that has a big ego or she's treating her friends, like I hear a girl go, um, you look fat in that dress to her other friend that's kind of chubby. I take it into my hands to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you down so much right now. Mm. You know, like a, like a humbling experience, right? Yeah. Not like being mad at them, but I'll start to like turn my back towards them. I'll go buy her friend a drink, not her. I'll start to really make her feel like this is what you're making other people feel lonely and isolated. I'm going to make you feel this right now. So you don't do this to anybody else. Yeah. So I do go in with strong intentions of like making sure that at the end of the conversation, I'm like, are you, are we both in reality right now? Mm. Like, cause, cause, cause this is fun. Like, yeah. like you, you took two hours to get ready. You do realize that, right? I mm-hmm. can see all the makeup. You look great, but why? Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. To look for validation. Is it like, what in your life is not like who hurt you? Right. Mm. It's, it, it, yeah. it goes down to that. Who hurt you? Yeah. Because if she had a healthy perspective on men, she wouldn't be doing that. I know so many beautiful women that once you talk to them for more than 10 minutes, you're like, hey, Cosmo, I love you, bro. I know we said we're going to go out tonight, but I can't stay. Like they give you, you, you just get like tension. You're like, you're like, I can't do this. Yeah. And I'm like, how can they be so beautiful? And then like guys are like, I can't be around them. Yeah. Because they're so worried about being perfect. If you look, I saw a couple of your videos on your Instagram. I got to watch more. But the little that I've seen from you. What I love about what you do, bro, is you're very authentic. And that's why I like Gary Vee as well. You have a lot of Gary Vee in you. You just kind of like, you don't find the best camera angle. You don't find an angle that's the most flattering towards you. You don't like, you just talk. And I think that's why you build such a big audience because you're very authentic. Mm. And at the end of the day, like that's what I'm looking for with my clients or people that walk up to me. Let's say I'm with like seven girls. Happens a lot. Go out with the girls. I, I like hanging out with girls more than guys, to be honest with you. I, mm. I, I just like that. I, I'm like you. I grew up like kind of like more feminine energy with yeah. my grandma. And so I'll go out with girls. And if a guy approaches, I'm not a hater at all. I'm like, hey, what up, brother? How are you doing? I'm nice, man. And I give him time to be like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And and obviously, uh, you know, I'm obsessed with social dynamics. So I'm like, <laughs> I wonder what he's going to do right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you fuck up, I'm going to give you my business card. <laughs> <laughs> But like, hey, I could have fixed that situation. Yeah. Let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> and there's sometimes that like guys come up yeah. and they have good vibes because I can see their intention and they're very respectful. But they're also like, dude, you know, I came out to talk to girls. They don't ignore me, which is a good technique on there. And they address me. I'm the only guy. Mm. And I'm like, well played. So I'll stay quiet. They have no idea who I am, yeah. what I can do. And I'm just like, stay quiet. And I'm. And if he wants the number exchange with a girl, dude, I'm fine with it. I'm yeah. totally open. I'm like, okay. In, in your opinion, um, how much do uh, looks play a part of this, right? Uh, for, for a guy anyways. Because, um, you know, sometimes like I, I see, uh, I'll look them up. I'll see their Facebook or their email photo. And I'm like, you know, you probably could, you know, get a haircut or some shit like that. You know, guy. You nailed it. It's not about the looks. It's about the how they take care of themselves. Like they groom. Um, I've seen. Okay. So let me rewind. Do looks matter? Absolutely. Does money matter? Absolutely. I would be so dumb to be like, oh, if you don't like money and looks don't matter. They will always give you an advantage. 
But when I learned this art form, as soon as I got out of the show, I text all my model friends. They know who they are, like good looking guys. And I'm like, they don't know I have this art form. Because when I went on the reality show, no one knew where I went. Oh, I couldn't say anything because I won 50000 So if anybody would find out, uh, VH1 would pull the money from me. I just came back and people were like, where'd you... There, bro, some people are like, did you go to India for a retreat? Like, what, <laughs> what did you do? I'm like, nah, I just, they're like, bro, you're different. And why I, what, what ended up happening was I would go out with my really like male model friends and they would always start ahead of me, right? Yeah. We'd go out and then a the girl would always like look at, hey, how are you? And, but then with the game that I had, it was consistent and I would always end up winning at the end, which would like win over the girl or the girls or get invited back to their place. And like the, the looks can only take you so far as my point, mm. but the girl women and all the women listening, we're, we're going to like kind of anchor to this. Women don't care how you look. They care how you think you look. I've seen very unattractive guys carry themselves very confidently because they're like, dude, I'm going to, you know, I, I am the shit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the shit. And this is what I believe. So women feel that they don't, they more care about like, how do you think you look? That's why. And also too, we have to break it down scientifically. Um, unfortunately for women, they, for us, looks do matter a lot more than for them to us. Because our number one need is sex to replicate. Like we want a girl that's going to turn us on, that looks good. And the other way around, uh, I've seen a lot of beautiful women with not so attractive men, but the men can provide their number one need, which is protection. Hmm. So then they, you see a lot of relationships out in the world where it's a beautiful girl and then a guy driving a Lambo or a Mercedes and he's not that good looking. It's a primal need. And when people are like, she's a gold digger, I'm like, you just don't know anything about psychology. Or mm. you don't know anything about like, th- this is the way we're genetically hardwired this way. Like she's going to go with the guy that can protect her children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then that's also too, that's why fighting is such a big attraction trigger with women. Like I'm sure you have a lot of comedy videos on your Instagram, but I saw a video where you were kicking and punching. Yeah. Automatically women see that there's an attraction trigger that goes on. Just in case you go out with any girls, we know that he can protect us. Fucking Latino women, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, no what idea. are you at? kicking me. Like, you like, got a girlfriend? Who cares? That's my man. Like, listen, listen. <laughs> like, be quiet. That motherfucker's huge. <laughs> Just, hold on a second. <laughs> you know? Dude, it, so yeah, I mean, um, looks matter more for women, and we see it in Hollywood. You know, so many um, women that were the best actresses, 20s and 30s, when they get to yeah. their 40s or 50s, they don't get the roles that the guys do. The guys could still be leading men at 50, 55 you know, years yeah. old, easy. We have so many, what is it like J-Lo and like a handful, but mm-hmm. all the other actresses that are past 40, 45, it's fucked up, but they kind of get like benched. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, man. And I, I think you kind of nailed it on the head too. It's like, it's more of a perception of how a guy feels like he looks. Like I say this to this day, like I didn't know until about two years. So I was like 280 pounds. Wow. Right? So I was a big boy, right? I didn't know I was fat. I, I had no fucking idea. <laughs> you know what I mean, I was just chilling. Right. And, you know, I didn't really I was always in basketball shorts and a T-shirt, even when I would do these college shows and these stand up shows. I didn't really dress up like I just went out. But I always felt like I, it's not like I didn't have anything to offer. Right. And I think that whether it was a confidence trigger, once again, I always put it back to me doing stand up and, you know, getting, trying to get rid of my anxiety that way. I just always never felt like I had too much of a disadvantage because I could always 
just kind of either talk through it or do something with it, right? So I never felt like I was out of shape or I wasn't attractive, you know, when I went into these like social social situations. And even my fiance said that about me too. So like you were when I when I first met you, you were like you were very confident. And she goes, I actually didn't know you were overweight until you mentioned it to me. Wow. Yeah. And I think it's also maybe because I'm taller too. There's a lot of other reasons too. But even my friends to this day, they're like, yeah, man, like I didn't know you were a, a overweight guy until you started losing weight. How much do you weigh right now? I'm like 210. You so. lost 70 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I lost 70 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And um, for me, it was it was never like a looks thing. It was, it was a health thing. Because, you know, once I hit, I'm like 30, what, 32 now. So once I hit about like 30, I was like, oh shit, like. Am I a fat person? Like I, started, <laughs> I, like I started feeling it, right? I couldn't play ball. I couldn't do a lot of this other shit. And, you know, I took kickboxing when I was 20. I wasn't good at it. But, you know, in my mind, I thought I was dope with my fucking, you know, confident ass self. And then I took a kickboxing class and I recorded myself. And I was like, I bet you these fucking punches are going to be the fastest fucking thing you've ever seen. And I saw the clip. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I still have those clips to this day just to remind myself like, hey, you're, you're not as dope as you thought you were, mm -hmm. right? And so I, you know, I started feeling a lot of health issues and I was like, that's why I lost weight. But that's so interesting. I, I do believe you kind of hit, hit the nail on the head. It's, it's more about how a guy feels like he looks versus what he actually looks like. 100%. And you kind of nailed one more thing that a lot of people don't talk about. I was with my homegirl yesterday at Hermosa and we're talking about, and she's like, what, what, like, Cause whatever, dude, I go out with a lot of girls. Oh, by the way, we haven't even talked about it. I got out of a 10 year relationship and went through a crazy divorce. So, oh, shit. and that's a, that's was pretty amazing. Like I loved every part of it. And I kind of, in a weird way, as I'm driving to your podcast today, I'm like, I had an epiphany as I was driving here. I go, I think I kind of wanted that hmm. in a dark way. I'm like, I wanted to experience that because I, coach so many guys over the years about how to get over heartbreak and you got to do this and you got to do that a part of me felt like a fraud i'm oh. like i want to experience this i want to see if i'm if i can do it so i don't know if i'm right or wrong i'm just like telling you how i felt yeah, I was, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I was just like driving over here going should i talk about this in a podcast but i i i was like i've done everything now right like pick up girls one night stands 10-year relationship cried on national tv learned like i've done everything so like, as far as like emotional intelligence, like this guy has so much empathetic qualities because he sucks and he's insecure <laughs> yeah. and he, and we were both talking about earlier, like anxiety, like, like let's open a forum. Like what, like, what's the problem here? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like, I feel like the people who are leading this world right now that are the most likable people are the most easiest people to read. And the most empathetic people and the people who are like hiding behind so many filters and all of that, like America just doesn't really like grab onto them that much, you know, in the video, you called out that girl, dude. I love that you did that. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk yeah. about it now, but the, yeah, the all lives matter thing where she was like, oh my God. I and she made the whole video about herself, yeah. you know, fucking bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that you did that because I'm like, you're going to use your platform. And she had a lot of followers. Right. And I'm yeah. like, Really? I'm like, you're going to use your platform to do that. So anytime I have a platform like this to come on your podcast, I just want to empower people to be like, bro, it's okay to talk about um, your quote unquote weaknesses because that's what makes you a beast. That's what makes you like um, different. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I, I, like one of my favorite uh, UFC fighters of all time is George St. Pierre. And he had that post recently just talking about all of his failures. And for some reason, watching somebody of that caliber speak like that, 
it empowered me like a motherfucker, right? He was like, let me show you the first time that I ever wrestled. I got pinned in like three seconds. The first time I ever went into jiu-jitsu, I got choked out in a few seconds. And I'm like, this is the guy who was, who right now is probably considered one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world, mm -hmm. right? For when he was active. And just to hear him talk about his flaws and how bad he was before, how he was a victim of bullying, somehow made me feel great, you know? Yeah, I love when he's like, yeah, they're like, do you get nervous? He's like, fuck yes. <laughs> I'm going to go in a cage and get locked up. He's like, I get nervous, you know? So I, I love what you just said because the real fighters, the authentic ones, even Nate Diaz, right? Yeah. You know, like Nate Diaz, like, fuck yeah, I get scared. I don't want to fucking fight. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, this shit's scary. I get anxiety. That's real talk right there. That's like, that's why, you know, he's like the baddest motherfucker or whatever because that's like, he, Nate Diaz, for those of you that don't know, he just fought George Masvidal. He mm -hmm. lost, but he really didn't. Like, he got, he went out of that fight a winner. Yeah. You know, like, because of that, like, quality of just being so real, man. Like, yeah. it, it's it's very appealing. And, and, you, and you have that. And you have that. Thank you. Do you have anybody that you've ever coached that was uncoachable? Yeah, people that think that they don't need help and that they're coming to my fucking seminar because uh, they just want to check me out or their friend said whatever or, uh, uh, hey, bro. Yeah. What up, Cosmo? Big fan of your show, man. So yeah, man, I'm, uh, I live in Dubai. I got a couple of They start talking to me about how much money they got yeah. and all that. By the way, brother, um, I'm doing this for my roommate. You know, uh, I got another, <laughs> got another condo in London. You know what I mean? We got a rooftop and condo in London. You can come out and visit. And I'm like, brother, what? So like, what do you want to learn? He's like, nah, I don't want to learn anything. This is for my roommate. So those people. Oh my God. The so ego. <laughs> is, and most of them are like club promoters. That they'll come to me, they'll pay me the money, and then they'll be like, no, nah, it's not for me, bro. You know how I get down. And I'm like, actually, I don't know how you get down because any girl that you get, they're always at your table. You always have to do so many favors for them, and then they'll get drunk and maybe have a one-night stance with you. Like, you don't have the cojones to go to Santa Monica Pier and just walk up to strangers. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Do you, in your case, too, for, I mean, when you have guys like that, and they're that, I mean, that's what you're talking about when it comes to like ego. Like, it's so funny when they go, it's for my friend. It's like, motherfucker, it's for you. So, like, for somebody like that, um, do you do you take the steps to break down their ego, or is it just like, this is impossible? <laughs> or, and like, how does that even work? My ego thinks that I could break them down. Okay. <laughs> so we're yeah. ego clashing because I'm like, I think I'm one of the best dating coaches in the world, and I and I've seen a lot of them. And so yeah. So my ego is fully intact. I'm like, I'm going to break this motherfucker <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah. It's like two egos going at it. But at a certain point, yeah, man, I've broken a lot of them. And usually it'll come like we're at a club and they're like, I got to go to the bathroom and I'll grab their wrist mm. and we'll get, bro, we'll get like a little feisty. And, yeah. and he's like, don't touch me. I'm like, I'm going to touch you. What you going to do? Yeah. I'm like, go talk to girls right now. It's not, I'm like, right now, bro. I'm like, right now. And so I have to, and then they do it. And they come after, and then they're like, fuck, you don't ever do that. And then I'll get a text being like, hey, come out to the club real quick. I come out. They're in tears going, man, I've never felt better in my life. Thank you. You know, there's yeah. there has to be that breaking point, that breaking point where they're like, I'm done hiding. I'm done writing YouTube comments or Instagram comments and then, blo and then blocking David so he won't see me or blocking this person. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they hide. And when you have nowhere to hide, when you have someone like a coach, like holding you liable and they, they break down, that's, it makes me feel alive, dude. I'm like, oh yeah. It's interesting because you're, you know, I think when, when people hear the term pickup artist, right, they, they kind of picture like a sleazeball almost, right? And if I asked like a girl's like, oh, pickup artist, like, oh, he's just trying to get into my pants, but you're more like a life coach. 
Man, it's so funny you said that because um, I'm just starting for the first time ever. Like, um, uh, pretty, we're launching with, and we have good money behind us. And these guys that are like m- marketing geniuses um, saw me talk and they're like, Are you a millionaire? I'm like, Hell no. They're <laughs> like, Bro, you need to be making online products or you need to be doing more seminars. And they nailed it. They're like, We feel like you're more than the dating coach. Like, you talk about you're like doing a lot more than that. So, um, like I told you when we walked in here, man, I don't have any pickup artist friends. All my friends are actors, filmmakers, artists, fighters, comedians. Like, these are the people I hang out with. Yeah, because like everything that you're telling me right now, it doesn't sound, you know, for me too, what I was expecting, right? Because you sound definitely more like a life coach. You're actually digging deeper than I think most people would think that you would. Because it's not just the, here's the pickup line. This is what you're going to do to get inside this girl's pants. It's more like, why are you the way that you are? You know, let's let's break down this ego first and see where you're at. Because it's not the girl's problem. It's it's a you problem. There's some there's a certain level of personal responsibility that you have to take on. And I don't think a lot of guys want to take like that guy right there when he was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. It's like, I know why you want to go to the bathroom. I know because you're trying to hide right now. So cut that shit out and go and do it. And let's see what happens. 100%. I think that I work from the outside in. Um, I know like other people with meditation, they work from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So let me explain what I mean. I work outward inwardly, meaning that if the guy can approach 35 girls today, that's an that's active. It's not passive and it's not inner. It's not meditation, yoga. He's going out, getting a drink in his face, getting rejected. You're ugly, you're fat. He's feeling that. And that outwardness, that that him doing it over and over, and then he he'll hook a girl. He'll be like, Yeah, I like it. And they'll start talking. He gets a number. That goes inward and he goes to bed going well, goddamn, I could do this. (laughs) And that to me is how I work. So I work the other way around, uh, the other way around. A lot of people work inward, outward, outward, uh, outward, inward. So you come to me and a guy's like, yo, I have major approach anxiety and this and that. Before we're 20 minutes into it, I never tell them, I'm like, put on your shoes. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're going out right now. And you're going to walk up to 50 girls and you're going to walk up to them and say, I'm trying to pick you up. My name is Enrique. I'm about to tell you pickup lines. Hold on. Oh, shit. Really? I just saw you from over here earlier, and I wanted to – just like that. Bro, that gives me anxiety. (laughs) Bro, we got to do an episode (laughs) out. I'm telling you, we (laughs) got to do one, dude. Listen, I'm a a forward person, but I don't know about that. Because I'm – Holy shit. Brother, I'm I'm not going to spend – and I know, like, there's a lot of good people. My my palms got sweaty. Yeah, bro, I'm telling you, I love – I love – I love fear. People are like – Wait, you're so weird. I'm like, bro, I love fear. Fear propels me to amazing places. And if it wasn't for fear, like I would be, when I wasn't walking into a lot of fear, like yeah. dude, I was wake, nothing wrong with weed. But for me, it kills everything for me. It numbs me out. So I was like smoking weed in the morning and I was just like, kind of like numbing myself. And now I'm like, what am I scared of right now? I'm going to go attack that. So by the fact that they, there's a demon behind me. And most people are like, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. I'm like, bro, turn around and ask that demon, yo, you want to take a shot of vodka with me? Let's party, bro. Like, make him your fucking friend. So you're scared of approaching anxiety? I'm going to take you to the highest level where you're going to walk up to girls and say you're picking them up and you're going to take out a paper that I I wrote for you and you're going to say it. And once they do that, they're like, did I get stabbed? Nope. Did I get shot? Nope. Well, that wasn't as bad. Tomorrow, now I'm going to know a lot more that Cosmo taught me, and I bet it's going to be better. 
Holy shit. I don't start with baby steps, bro. I start with um, get off the plane. Boom. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So when when so when you had a client right, and then you told them like, all right, let's go and let's get. It. What was their reaction like? Like how, how do they usually perceive that? Because I'm I'm getting nervous for them, dude. Like just to go up to somebody and be like, boom, this is who I am. Here it is. I'm gonna you know tell you this whole list of these pickup lines. I I'm getting nervous. Hey, bro. Yeah, I mean, I, I, thanks, Cosmo. Yeah, well, I'm down to do it tomorrow. Um, you know, I just uh I got a headache. Oh, uh, hey, Cosmo, I, I like what you're doing, bro. You know, like, I know what you're trying to do, but let's do it next time. Baby steps. Uh, hey, Cosmo, um, nah, man, I'm good. I just need all of that shit mm-hmm. don't mean nothing. Get your shoes on. We're going right now. Holy crap. And so that's just, that's not to say like these pickup lines are going to work. It's just more, it's more a self-healing thing then at that point. Absolutely. But ironically enough, when they come that transparent, that authentic, even if they're not what I call attraction triggers, the girl pauses and the girl laughs, and it happens a lot. And the girl's like, "You cute? What's your name?" Yeah, Steve. It's like Steve. <laughs> wow. And the girl kind of like is like, "Yeah, <laughs> you know, it doesn't go anywhere, you know, because the girl's like, there's not a guy that you know, uh, yeah, I'm gonna make." But they kind of pause. Some of them get creeped out. By the way, I'm not saying the shit works. Some of them are just like, "Get out of here, weirdo." But some of them kind of pause and go, "Wow, that was interesting." That was creative. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. I want to see that so <laughs> fucking bad. Not with me. <laughs> with somebody else. I want to see it just because, you know, I, I talk about the probability game a lot, right? But even being open like that, it, it frightens me a little bit because even though I don't have a plan, I do know that I have my humor, you know, that I can kind of like segue into or something, right? But to be that vulnerable is pretty fucking frightening. And then once they plow through that, then something, then it the energy comes within and there's really good people. Like I'm working with my buddy, Josh Cole. He's doing an amazing thing called Alive and Well with Jay Shetty and Lucy Hall. And Jay Shetty's like all inward. And Josh is, my good friend is trying to involve me because I teach outward. Jay Shetty's like inward meditation. I'm like outward. Go move, move, move. And then inside, I'm looking for competence, not confidence. I'm just looking for the guy to be like, okay, I got one number today. I'm 31 years old. I've never gotten a number. Something that this crazy Cuban guy Cosmo is doing is working. I'm all in. Whatever he tells me, I'm going to do. They wake up the next morning. I look at them in my seminar. They got their shoulders back. They're like, what's up, motherfucker? I'm like, oh, look at you. They go, we're going to go talk to 30 girls. And now that it, now that it doesn't scare them, now I don't do it. Yeah. Go, no, now we're going to learn technique. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I believe them. Now it doesn't scare them because they're like, bro, we already went through hell and back. So now what you got? Let's go talk to him. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to change it on you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, well, you got rejected 30 times. Let's let's bring bring that number down a little bit. Are there any, what are some like people that you've worked with that you could talk about? Like who's, who's some people that you've worked with? I have NDAs. Oh, do you? Damn. I'm so curious. It's like, how many people have you worked with? Yeah. I mean, celebrities, I have a lot of NDAs because, um. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I could I could tell you um I work uh with Dan Bilzerian for Dan Bilzerian? Yeah, it's on you it's on um yeah. I'll I'll show you. It's, what the um, fuck does Dan Bilzerian need you for? No, no, no. So he has a CBD thing called Ignite. Mm-hmm. And he in my opinion attacked the wrong platform in my opinion. Okay. He did um a Twitch. Okay, yeah, yeah. But a lot of the people on Twitch are just like horny little motherfuckers going yeah. you know, so it wasn't a right platform for it, but he brought me in as someone that hosted a show with three really cool girls. They're all have a lot of followers and yeah, 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 hot or whatever. 
And um, so I was at his house a lot and worked with their company for months and months. And um, it was beautiful. I was like, did you? I was like, damn, Bill's that motherfucker. You got money and everything. <laughs> but think about this. And it's a really big, like, um, well, l- l- let me just start by saying this. When is the last time that you think that Dan Bilzerian walked up to a complete group of strangers that didn't know who he was and that he didn't get the girls brought to him? You see, that's a void. That's a big void there, not knowing that if you could ever do that. It's the same void that I know a lot of kids that their dad are big celebrities, a lot of them. And they walk around with this void because they'll never know if they can make it on their own because their dad is X, Y, and Z. See, he has that. Like, when's the last time he was able to really do that? So he's uh, orchestrated his life where women come up to him and kudos and bravo to him. And that's what he does. Oh. But there's something like I'll show you the clip when I first met him. Like he didn't shake my hand. We're doing a show in the second floor of his house. I don't know how many floors he has. And then they're like, Dan Bilzerian wants to see Cosmo. Bring him to the rooftop. So we go on a live stream. Oh, it's all live stream, by the way, too. So some moments were awkward and all that. But I walk up and he just is sitting there with a bunch of girls and doesn't say hi to me. Doesn't give me the handshake. And I go, I'm very good at this game. I can play this game all day. (laughs) And I'm not going to stand there, bro. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, he's going to play this game. I'm like, a low value guy that's very reactive would be like, hey, you told me to come here. Now you're not shaking my hand. Never be reactive, but just be self-aware. Oh, he's playing this game. So I literally started to introduce myself to all his girls. (laughs) Just, hey, what's up, Cosmo? Great energy. And I started talking to all his girls. And he loved, and and that moment, he enjoyed. That moment, he enjoyed. He started clapping. He's like, this motherfucker, you brought this motherfucker to take my girls. And he laughed, and I opened it up. Because I'm like, I'm going to make fun of the fact that you brought me up here, and now you're not talking to me. I'm making fun of the fact that we're doing this now. And then for the rest of that episode, it was great vibes. And um, he heard me talk a little bit. And in that moment, I made 10 grand. He's like, I, here's, he, I'm going to give you 10 grand, go coach guys and help them out. And I had to focus because he's from like the army or whatever. Yeah. So I had to pick guys that had PTSD. But just hearing, meeting Dan fucking gave me 10 grand. That's fucking crazy. And I think, dude, I'd rather have an authentic, per- again, what you do really well. He's authentic as fuck. He's not trying to hide. I'd rather him than a Hollywood producer that's like, oh yes, God is good, uh, this and that, yeah, I'm going to come to my house party. <laughs> and then they come and he's like, Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be in my movie? Yeah. <laughs> Let me do coke off your ass. You know, it's like, whoa. Yeah. I'd rather you know what you're going to get with Dan. You know what you're going to get with you. It's not yeah. like Two Face. And I enjoy those people. It, it, do you do you also teach that like authenticity uh, to your clients as well? Um, because I feel uh, sometimes. Because I, I think like for you, I guess like you're saying, you know, when you go out and you're in these social social areas you have to turn on this switch right but it's still like an authentic version of yourself that you're trying to be right it's a heightened version of myself it's the same thing as you doing stand-up it's just a heightened version of myself i'm aware that i have a microphone i need to make people laugh so i need to be funny right now like you can't be like that like fuck the audience because then you know there's a healthy balance when i go out and i'm like fuck these people i'm gonna have a good time but then there's another part where like well i gotta entertain people i'm getting paid to like talk to people so it is a heightened version. The best analogy I can give is when a celebrity goes on a talk show, it's a heightened version of them. Mm. They have a live audience. They know they got to be charismatic. And for those people that don't believe in pickup lines, think about the most likable person that you like. And I know a lot of people might say Tom Hanks. 
Tom Hanks has pre-recorded stories memorized. Mm. Let's talk about Tom Hanks. He's likable. Why is there such a bad stigma on having memorized stories? Why? You look at Tom Hanks. I'll break down clips. He went to four different talk shows and he has the same story because he knows that that story is going to build laughter. You guys, stand-up comedians, you guys fucking perform the same story and go to another club and do it. Why can't I coach my guys to do that? Every time that I go, yeah, my dog's name is Rambo and I have like a story, it it hits every time. Why wouldn't I want to why wouldn't I want that organized in my oh. in my head? Why wouldn't I want like that prepared? I'm already going to war with five models, two girls that are having a bad day and two guys that are fighters and one Hollywood promoter. I'm already at war where they're like, "Who is this?" I want to at least have a game plan. Oh shit, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, so I do defend Yeah, I do defend pickup lines. I do defend having pre-recorded stories, but I but I don't defend lying and being sleazy about it. Always be your true self, you know? So I'm going to give you a really good technique for for those of you that are not making that much money and where you're at in your life and you're like Cosmo, but I can't pick up girls because I don't even have a car and I'm living in my mom's basement. Here's what you do. You talk about your future. Oh. And that's how you demonstrate higher value. And that's how you showcase this other side of yourself that you want to attract that girl. You think Steve Jobs in his, when he was making it in his garage, was like, yeah, I'm in a garage. Hell no. He was like, I'm going to have the biggest fucking company ever. Mark Zuckerberg, all these people. When you, they're talking about the future. So when you're talking to a beautiful girl, you don't have to feel fake. If you're like, you start, here's the pickup line. Um, I can't wait until dot, dot, dot. So you're like, yeah, me and my buddy Cosmo are doing a podcast and I can't wait until my startup company starts. I have a lot of investors. I'm really um, excited that I'm going to sell. And you start to talk about your future. Yeah. You see now that builds the attraction. Oh, see, this is, this is so interesting. Cause I think like what I like about this too, is there's definitive points to jump off of. Cause you, you're, you're right. I, I'm, I was like your homegirls where I was just like, Oh, don't fucking do it. <laughs> you know? Well, you were saying that when I walked in here, you were, yeah. when we were walking in, you were yeah, kind of saying like, that. Oh shit. Like what does that do for somebody? Like how, how, how can I just look at somebody and say, well, you know, be calm. What the fuck does that mean? You know, so to give people some definitive points to really jump off of probably gives them that self-confidence too. It's like, at least I know where to fucking start. 100%. Anybody that's ever felt depressed, think about somebody coming up to you and go, just be happy. Huh? It's the worst fucking thing you can tell a depressed person. Hmm. Why don't you just be happy? Be happy, David. What's wrong with you? It's the worst thing you could tell someone. Somebody's depressed. You go to me and go, um, I'm here. All you got to say, I'm here. Uh, if you want to talk, bro, I'm here. I'm just going to show you your couch. You don't have to talk to me. And you're depressed, right? Let's say you're going through it, whatever. And I, I just chill with you, bro. And I'm on my phone. I'm not interrogating you. I'm not trying to fix you. And I'm just me being there. The person's like, okay, don't try to fix them. Don't try to do anything. Just cool, man. Cool, brother. I, I, um, I, I don't even know how you feel right now, but I, I love you. So I'm here. So whatever you need me to do, I'll punch myself in the face. That makes you laugh. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what, that's emotional intelligence, which is another thing we don't talk about. We talk about IQ and people who are really smart. I've seen the dumbest people with high IQs, like making the dumbest mistakes ever. Getting in, into a marriage three months because this girl wanted papers and he got like 400 grand taken away from him in a divorce and he hired a hooker. I'm like, how, what's your IQ? It's like 137. I'm like, so you're, tech, <laughs> yeah. so if society tells you you're a genius, bro, yeah. you're a fucking idiot, dude. Yeah. Let's start putting EQ in it. Like emotional intelligence needs to be talked about more. 
Oh, you know? for sure. And there's some of our leaders lack that big time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that emotional intelligence part too. Like I, I, I do agree. I think a lot of my, uh, I want to say, well, I guess some of my friends too. They're, they're, in in sense of like you look at what they have, right? As a, as a business career and everything else, it's it's fantastic. So you people kind of take their iq and they think that it translates to their eq right it's like well if you're this intelligent here you're going to be just as smart over here but then i've you know i've talked to these certain friends and you know when we get to know each other you start hearing a lot of their emotional problems that they're having in their relationships and in my mind just like you said it's like why the fuck don't you know that <laughs> you know like how come Is it, you don't do you know think that? that they're unaware or they're just deflecting or what do you think the top like two or three reasons are with your friends that are you know one of them i just found out that he's kind of just um he's somebody who's a little too literal Right. And he's just always been like, he's like the definitive, like guy, guy, things are just face value and that's it. So when he hears some stuff like, Hey, if his like, uh, his girlfriend at the time was like, okay, like I'm really sleepy today. Like leave me alone. He goes, she's tired. She would probably stay up. I was like, or maybe something else is bothering her. He doesn't, he just takes everything as face value. So a lot of their emotional problems, he can't hear what she's asking for because he's only hearing the exact words, you know? And I think that's what happens a lot. I feel like we should talk about this more, man. <laughs> Emotional intelligence. We ta- we tapped on that uh, self-awareness and then having electives for middle school and high school and college on how to deal with women, how to approach women, getting instant feedback in the classroom. Like we've been taught that in class, right? Middle school, I had to do an essay memorized and then in front of everyone. Why can't we get a guy and go, okay, um, so girls that are here, what's a good what can I say to walk up to you? I think I'm going to say lunch cafeteria and open his forum, you know? Yeah. Um, you nailed it. Uh, he's very literal. It's the worst thing that you can be if you want a girl for a lot of years in your life. You, he, he will never keep a girl happy if all he's coming at it is logical and rational. My advice to him is find a guy partner. Because if it's two guys, I'm, I'm I'm being serious. I'm not trying to joke. Like if you're gay, right? Like two guys, mm-hmm. they can be logical as fuck and both understand each other. <laughs> yeah. And there's no problem with that because they're they're not operating how women operate, emotion and intuition. So if the girl's telling you like, I'm tired, right? So then my response is like, cool. Um, do you want me to make you a tent? Or let me let me serve you some food, or do you want any cozy fee? Or I'm gonna go get you a blanket from Target. You see how I'm like like I'm activating that part where she's like, ah, this is cool. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll make you a little ten. I'll put pillows. You're tired, you know. Get get some rest. And then a the girl will go, yeah, yeah, I'm tired. I mean, you know, I'm just frustrated. You didn't ask me that last week. And then I'm like, there it is. Yeah, there's a problem. I go asked you what last week. Yeah, you know, when we were with my parents, and now I can get to the problem. And now I can either go, my bad, I apologize, I wasn't aware of it, mm. and we move on. Yeah, that's as simple as it is. Yeah, that's that's a hard part because I think even for me, when I I didn't realize I did this, and obviously, maybe if I talked to you years ago, I would have gotten to this solution <laughs> way faster. <laughs> because I didn't I didn't realize that you know when she let's say my fiance at the time, right? She would say certain things like that, and you know my response is to well, why don't you just tell me? You know, but then because I always expected things to be laid out for me all the time, and it's just kind of it's unfair for me to expect that out of her, right? Because there are certain things about me that's the way that I am. And there's certain things about her that's the way that she is. And I wasn't really bending towards that. And so sometimes like in those type of situations, I understood what he was saying because I was like, I did that too, you know? Mm-hmm. It's because sometimes when I, if I had to do that where I'm like, oh, do you want me to get you a coffee or whatever? I don't know if it's because I grew up in a very strict Asian Korean household with that, you know, that Asian machismo type of shit. Mm. It, it made me feel like I was, it was taking away from me. 
It, if you were to ask her, like, uh, let me get you a coffee. Yeah, it made me feel like I was in servitude almost. Like that's like kind oh, of oh shit, really? It felt very. Um, I don't know what it was. Like I, I had this epiphany later on. It's like, why does it feel like when I'm giving to somebody I care about, like her that I love, it feels like I'm t- it's taking away from me. Like I I had that moment where I was like, why do you do that? Like, don't you care about her? So why does it make you feel like? You're like the little bitch in the relationship where it's like, I'm serving you all the time. But really, it's more like, you care about her. She's hurting. Help her. You know? And I had that weird moment. I'm like, you, you're kind of mean, dude. <laughs> you know, you're kind of mean to her. Like, why do you, why do, you do that? Because in my mind, I'm like, well, you can get it yourself. You know? But it's like, but that's not the point. You know, why do you do this? This was early on in the relationship. But, it, you know, when I had that moment, I, I felt very, I felt terrible, you know? Yeah, and then you have if I if I was to debate myself right now, like to contradict myself, I would be like, but if you're too like, baby, I'll please you, baby, I'll please you, you she's gonna get bored and cheat on you. Oh, for sure. So that part of you that is edgy and like, bitch, get yourself, you know, like, yeah. like that that that's attractive to her. Yeah. She's like, I can never really get him, <laughs> and he's my man, and I still feel like I haven't gotten. Yeah. Like, I love it when people go. Um, I'm in a relationship. I don't need to play those games or like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to play these games. I just want to be myself. I'm like, good fucking luck. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Cause the games never stop. Bro, I was in a 10 year relationship with a very competitive person <laughs> Okay, and we didn't have more than two arguments in like the first four years, bro. Oh shit. Like everybody was like, you guys are kind of perfect together. Like I was just diffused everything. She always got where I'm coming from. Um, I would come home. You see, this is so rare. And then, like, I had a bad day. I'm like, I have a fucking really bad day. I'm cranky. I'm going to be a little bitch right now. If I'm mad at you, my bad. Yeah. So now she's in on your game. She's like, okay. You know what I mean? Rather than, like, you come in and she's like, baby, all right? And then the guy's like, yeah, I'm all right. Why Why do you Why do you ask me that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Rather Just, like, lay out, lay out the cards. But, I mean, the games never stop. Mm. What people... The healthy thing, in my opinion, is to associate positive behavior with the games. Why does playing games have to be a bad thing? Why can't it be a fun thing? Why can't it be like, like, yeah, man, we're still playing games, you know? I see, uh, I went to Vegas and I met a couple that was together for like 60 years. Drunk off my ass, bro. It was like three in the morning. I (laughs) lost my friends. And I I don't even smoke cigarettes and I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm like, what am I doing? And I start talking to these fucking two old people have been in a relationship and he still got that sexual tension. They're still push pulling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still playing games. I'm like, it's not never going to end. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I made him breakfast, but he doesn't like my broccoli. He's very hard to, um, uh, you know, please. <laughs> yeah. You're still playing that game. Yeah. That's kind so. of exciting. Yeah. I think just to go back to your previous point too, is like when people, you know, the hottest word right now is a simp, right? And I, you know, I honestly don't know what that is. So like a simp is the guy that just kind of, well, it, it really depends. Like it definitively, it's a guy that gives everything to the girl, puts her on a pedestal, but gets nothing in return. Right. And that, that is the relationship that makes him quote unquote happy. But, um, I, I have a relative who I think is kind of like a simp too, but with him, like I had a conversation with him and, um, when he, when he, when his relationship kind of fell apart, right. One of the things that he said when he told me when he opened up was I gave everything to her, right? Every anything she asked for, I gave everything to her. And what I told him too was what that kind of broke my heart is because just because you give what they ask doesn't mean that they'll stay. Doesn't mean they respect you. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. 
right? And that's the that's the sad part about like the simp thing, right? You think that if you give them riches, you give them gold, you give everything else that they'll stick around just because you give them what they ask for. And that's not, in my opinion, like I don't know how to put it into words, but that's not how it is, you know? You nailed it. Um, if you want to break down love, love is three components, passion, intimacy, and commitment. Passion, intimacy, and commitment. It is impossible to be in a long-term relationship and hold three out of three. One of those motherfuckers are going out the window quick, and maybe it'll come back. Really good marriages have two out of three. Most marriages on planet Earth have one out of three. Hmm. So you have to think to yourself, in the relationship that you're in right now, in a relationship, whoever is watching this, right? So you're in a relationship, right? And you go, wait a minute, I'm hearing this motherfucker Cosmo talking. He kind of makes sense. So passion, intimacy, and commitment. If you have the bad boy type as a girl, you have like that guy that's edgy and that guy that has a lot of girlfriends. And you know what I mean? There's always a little bit of jealousy there. It's a healthy thing because that passion is there. Like I can't, I can't slip up. I can't gain 40 pounds. My man will leave me. That, that's healthy, right? Some people don't have that passion. They only have the commitment. So it's one out of three where the girl will go, my husband will never cheat on me and will never leave me. He works a nine to seven. He never goes out. I know he's not going to cheat on me and no girl would want him. So the girl has a commitment and the guy has a commitment from her. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So well, we won't cheat on each other, but the passion is out the fucking window and the intimacy is barely there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like actively working on like, what is one that's going to be really hard to, to take away, right? And for me, to be honest with you, in my 10-year relationship, the commitment thing started fading quick. I'm passionate as fuck. So the sex was good. Unpredictability on my end would always keep her on her feet. The intimacy. I like to cuddle, man. Yeah, I like yeah. to talk about my emotions. I like, I was grew up with my grandma. I like to be intimate. But the commitment, you see, on my end could have been stronger. I'd never cheated on her, but just the commitment on like, I don't know. I, I can't I can't explain it, but it was like fading. Mm. So like I had to work on that. And then it ended up being like just a passion. On our relationship, which is no bueno. If it's mm. like one out of three is your passion, like fireworks gonna happen. And they did. Oh shit. That's interesting because I my the relationship that I had prior to my fiance now, she was somebody that I was very committed to, but I had zero passion. And I think it's because of uh, you know, when I would ask for her opinion on something, right? She would I agree, baby. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's great. Like, what do you think? That's exactly what it was. And it was killing me because I was like, I don't know you. Like, what are your thoughts? Are you just agreeing with me just to agree? And every, she was perfectly fine, right? Very sweet girl. She was cute. Everything I enjoyed about her. It, it just, that killed the passion though. Because I felt like I couldn't, I didn't know her. You know what I mean? I didn't know what what lit her fire. Was it, is, what, is your fire just to agree with everything that I have? Like, I need to know you, you know? And I think that killed it for me. Imagine watching a movie where the protagonist doesn't have any conflict. We would be bored to death. Oh. We love to watch great movies where it's like conflict, tension, conflict. He's married. Oh, my God. Don't hire that assistant. She's beautiful. Oh, you did. Oh, shit. You're going out to Dubai with her. Oh, shit. Like we in narrative feature films, we love tension and conflict. Bad movies don't have it. Huh. That's so true. That's 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 exactly oh man you just fucking motherfucker you hit the button on my <laughs> that's really what it is right because when I went back to it and I kept you know conversing with her and there there was a time too like and I felt maybe even on her end because the uh, the passion wasn't there too like you mentioned that jealousy thing right I had zero jealousy for her 
oh shit, my mind's blown. Because like with her, so there was this conversation that we had, and I didn't realize that how angry it made her made her because she went to Vegas, right? And for me, I'm, I'm you know relatively confident dude. Like you can go to Vegas, have fun, whatever. But I, you know, she got really pissed at me because when she went to Vegas, I told her, all right, have fun. Just let me know when you get there. And I kind of left it at that. But I think what she wanted from me was, you know, make sure that you're careful, make sure you're okay, stay away from somebody. And I didn't do any of that shit. And so when she came back, she was pissed at me. And in my mind, I didn't get it. I was like, don't you want a guy that just is like, this doesn't like fucking crowd you or, you know, is, is the jealous type. But she did want a little bit of it because the passion wasn't there. And it was very evident. Huh. The easiest way to find out if a girl's attracted to you is a theory that I call a jealousy plot line, where if you really want to know if there's attraction there, you want to see if she's going to get jealous. Because if she doesn't at all, then you're in a friend zone or you your passion is gone hmm. and there's nothing there. Yeah. A really quick way to see if a girl's into you is jealousy. People always attach that to negative things. It's a very positive thing if you use it in in the right way. Yeah. Oh, that just you want to feel that. You want to be out with your girl. Be like, if I leave her in the bathroom, she might come back. Two guys. Like, you want to feel a little bit of that. You want to, yeah. you know, you want to be like, oh, she's being pursued by other people. I feel jealous. Or damn, she, what she said was brilliant. I need to read more books. Like, you, you want to feel a little bit of that. Oh, that's so interesting. You just kind of like made me relive something and then kind of rethink it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I always, because prior to this conversation, to me, it was like, why was she like that? Like, what the fuck? You you should want a guy that allows you to do whatever. It's like, no. It's like, bro, she could sense that you weren't passionate about her. And that probably killed her inside a little bit. Oh, I should probably email her and be like, oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, shit. I feel kind of terrible now. Now, now. now I kind of understand where she's coming from. Oh, shit. Oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> oh, I feel real bad, dude. What, what What would you say in your relationship is the two that you have? I mean, if you're willing to say three out of three, that's that's cool. But I gave you the stats earlier. But what do you think you you thrive off in your current relationship? It's a passion, intim- intimacy, and commitment. It's probably uh, passion and commitment. Got it. Those are the two ones. The, Got it. The intimacy thing is the one that I'm working on the most. Got it. And that's because of what you're saying. You're God. It makes yeah. sense. Like um, she, how you were raised, you said your parents, okay. Because, you know, I, I've never really saw my parents like that. They were always working all the time. Yeah. So the intimacy factor is something that was, is something that I'm learning. Like I, uh, I had the hardest time just kind of put, bringing my walls down a little bit. So she's somebody who's, she emotes a lot, right? So when, when she, when I come in through the door, she wants me to say, Good morning. How are you? Give her a big hug. And me, I didn't grow up seeing that stuff. So when I just walk in, I go and I get a glass of water, you know, and for her, it eats her up a little bit. So I'm, I'm really working on that part a lot. It's hard for me. And I keep telling her, it's like, just, just know that I'm always trying because it's hard to describe to her, but I said, it's like pulling teeth with me. That's what it feels like sometimes when I have to be openly intimate and it eats away at me for some reason i don't fucking know why it's like yeah i would be careful on her end and just and i have a oh by the way i coach a lot of girls as well too yeah like a lot and my advice about if i didn't know you and she's like yeah i feel like i'm losing my guy one of the qualities that i would tell her to be careful with a guy like you is pushing him too much to open up because it's a dangerous thing because the guy can flip on you and be like I'm in Vegas right now and I've and and vibe out with a girl or I'm in London at a film premiere. So you got to be really careful as a girl 
to like ask too much from your man to be emotional. It's like us asking a girl to be extremely logical. It's going to fucking irritate the shit out of them. I'm going to yeah. give you a perfect example. My student, she was a girl. I told her, I'll just lay it out. This, this is a good one. She got out of the airport in LAX. Her man said, I was going to, I'm going to pick you up. I'll be there. But on a 405 going south to get to LAX, there was a huge car accident and he has ways. So he's like, oh, this shit is blocked like an hour and a half. Mind you, he could have taken all the streets and all that. But it, but it was like, I think he told me an hour and a half on the way from LAX back to there in the hills. It was like 27 minutes. Logically, he was like, I'm going to order her an Uber XL, whatever, and bring her here. Why would I drive an hour and a half this accident? I know it's there and then come back. Logically, who makes more sense? He does. Yeah. Emotionally, she just got off a plane that had turbulence. She, her, she can't find her bag and now she wants her man to be there. Her man calls her and is like, the Uber's outside. It's a big accident. She didn't want to hear any of that shit. She wasn't operating off of logic at all. Logically, she would have been like, if I love my man, why would I want him to be in an hour and a half? It doesn't make sense. So you see how the argument turned into a huge argument. Like they argued for like a month from that one time. He's speaking from it logically. Baby, I love you. I ordered you a big ass Uber fancy and you'll be here in less than half an hour. She's like, you don't love me. I got off of a plane and it had turbulence and she's going through emotion. Yeah. There you go, bro. It's like, how do we segue in the middle? And if the girl, I told her, if you keep throwing that emotion shit at his way, you're going to lose that guy. He was very similar to you. He's a comedian. Okay. <laughs> and he's yeah. well known. So like, I was like, be careful pushing him because like, like you both messed up there. But like, if you're in an, if you're like, whatever at magic castle and like three weeks later, you're still talking about that. And you're telling him you don't love me because that I'm like, you're going to lose him. Holy so shit. It, it has to be like, I'm fucking frustrated because the plane almost fucking crashed. Let me mope, babe. Let me be a fucking bitch. Let me be just fucking like, like just mean and get, let the girl get it out of her system. Tell her how you feel. And then be like, I'm done, babe. Just know that that shit bothered me. Yeah. Don't bring it back up. She did. So it's careful with like pushing buttons with a guy that is kind of closed off. Like you got to really kind of like, you know, slowly. So we literally had something like this, like uh, like a year ago. Like I still remember this shit because um, she was frustrated with how the house was, right? It was a little messy. It was a little dirty. And by the way, she's OCD. So her version of messy, it's like it, nobody would ever think it's messy. Like we've had people come into our house and she's like, it's a mess. And they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That's how clean she is. So I was busy, you know, doing work. I was traveling and everything else. I was doing this food show, going in and out of the, uh, the state constantly. And so when I came back, I was like, hey, how about this? I will get a a, a, a maid service and they'll clean the house up. <laughs> she responds. She goes, no, I want you to do it. And that infuriated me. It made me so bad because I was like, it's okay. This one week, I'll just get the maid to do it and I'll pay it. But she goes, that's a waste of money. You need to do it because I've been, I always do it. And I, and I couldn't wrap my head around what, and I got so mad because I was trying to help. I was like, I can help, but it wasn't in the way that she wanted. And it should fucking, oh man, that should piss me off. You know, you nailed it. And that, and that's the biggest battle we have between, you know, female and male. It's the biggest one right there.
holy shit. And that's literally that Uber situation. When you said that, I was like, hold up. That's the, that's the main situation. It's the same thing. It's the same fucking thing. Oh my God. The man can do it in 20 minutes. It'll take me five hours. And I'll be fucking depressed and fucking angry. And I'm going to argue at you. Yeah. I don't care. I want you to do it. Yeah. And I was like, I, I will stab my fucking eyes out right now. Like I was getting fucking yeah. mad. That's it. Holy shit, that's so interesting. Holy shit. I was like, yeah, right when you said that, I'm like, oh, motherfucker, I'm, like, I'm getting some PTSD right now. I'm like, But I love that you have a lot of self-awareness, man. Yeah. Like a lot of guys would justify it, defend it, and not realize that there's an issue there. Like you're very self-aware. Shit, it took a lot of time though. I used to be that defensive guy, yeah. you know, um, I think – um, I might still get defensive with people I fucking hate, but yeah. <laughs> you know, if yeah, it's yeah. just like regular conversation with people you care about, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to just, even if I disagree with them. Right. And I think even on this podcast, people are like, you should, you know, I want you to get somebody who's like a, a hardcore Trump all lives matter person. I was like, I would love to have them here. I just want to hear them, hear them speak. And I think I'm, why, why don't you, uh, I'm trying to get somebody who's level-headed. That's why. Cause, uh, you know, like, for example, one of the biggest people that I've been trying to get on here right now is an active cop. And an active cop will not come on this podcast. Whoa. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that they're decent people, the people that I'm trying to talk to. But all of them said the same thing. They're like, well, I, I want to be careful about what I say because I'm still in the force. I was like – and to me, that makes me feel like you're in a fucking gang. Like, you can't say shit that how you feel because you're afraid that you're going to get fucked up. That concerns me. You know, and I was like, I'm not here to attack you. I just want to know in this situation, in this country, what is it that went, what went wrong in your opinion as a police officer, right? What is something that we can do as a civilian that'll allow you to be helped out or what are stuff that you need? These are very simple questions. I'm not here to attack anybody. To say that I don't need a cop in my life is fucking dumb. I've been saved by cops multiple fucking times, like multiple times they came to save my ass. So to say that I don't need the police force is something ridiculous, but you know, just, I need somebody to be open enough to have a conversation and dialogue without getting angry. I had a fan who uh, hit me up, said my brother would, uh, let me hit up my brother. And the first thing that she said was like, my brother just started going off talking about how people don't fucking know this. I'm like, you are the worst person to have on this podcast. Cause number one, you're going to make the police force look terrible. And then you're going to get me pissed off, you know? And then if you piss me off, I'm going to mouth off like a motherfucker, and it's recorded. So if you beat my ass, let's go, <laughs> you know? So that's the conversation I don't want to have on this podcast. And, you know, I, I want things to be open enough where I don't want people to think that I'm just here just to feed my ego. I, I want to, I want to know, I want to have a conversation just hear where they come from. Yeah. I think a big component that we keep talking about in this podcast is um, lack of emotional intelligence mm. with cops. Like the power of empathy right now should be like a required 18-week course for cops, new cops that are getting into it. Empathize. Jeez, Louise, I'm getting a lot of fucking chills. We're talking about some crazy shit. I thought I was going to come on this podcast and be like, this is how you pick up a girl, bro. <laughs> like, um, but like, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I barely ever get road rage because I use a technique that I do. Who's the number one person that I love more than anything on this planet? My grandma. Is she the best driver? No. Is she old? Yes. Do I love her? Yes. Somebody cuts me off. The first thing that I go into is my emotional intelligence because I teach that a lot. EQ, EQ is like, that's my grandma. That's my grandma. She cut me off. I literally empathize with whoever's there. I'm like, that's an old person, right? Or, or they don't know how to drive. I don't take it personal at all. I put myself in their shoes. Even if it's like, like someone else, I go, they must be having a bad day. The power of empathy to be like, take off your shoes and put somebody else's shoes on right now. You're a cop. There's a lot of good cops. There's a lot of bad cops. 
if you can just take off your shoes and be like, wait a minute, what I just, dude, I teared up when I saw this video. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a little black kid shooting hoops in his front, in his, in his front yard. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, and then he hit away. <sighs> dude, dude, it killed me because he heard the sirens and he's so programmed to be like that. They're, they're going to, those are the bad guys. And he fucking hid behind yeah. the cop went. Then he started to play ball. Yeah. So like, where do we start? Like that, that's going to be his experience. You know what I mean? Like, so like for a white cop or whatever cop to be like, wait a minute, like, even if they're being a little feisty right now, right? Even if they are protest, like, what is it really to be in their position? If they can just pause and go, oh man, I'm getting irritated just of people talking about all this. Imagine being a black person. You're living with it. Yeah. In this corona fucking virus. I get pissed when people look at me. I have a mask on, but they look at me. They're like, eh. Yeah. That's how they feel all the time. Yeah. I want to tell someone, what the fuck you're looking at me? What the fuck? Yeah. So like the power to empathize just to be like, dude, calm down. More emotional intelligence more teaching cops how to actually defuse fights. Everybody's talking about it. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I, I did it for nine years. I love it. Um, it's like that wouldn't, that knee thing wouldn't have happened. You know, it's like, whatever. That's a whole nother subject. Yeah. But just- I, I literally to, just tweeted this today. <laughs> like, I was so fucking mad. Yeah, dude. It's just, I mean, you know, just let's get some more um, emotional intelligence into this. And then what I think a big component is- by the way, I've had over a hundred cop students that I've taught. Wow. A hundred. Yeah. A handful that came to me didn't have childhood bullying experiences. Oh, really? All of them had similar traits. They got picked on and they couldn't get the girl. And now subconsciously, if they're good cops, let's say, because if it's consciously, you're fucking dick, dude. Yeah. But subconsciously, they have this thing within them that's like, I'm going to get my power back. I'm going to get this badge. I'm going to get this thing. And I'm going to, okay, now I get my power back. It's dangerous to go into that profession when you're coming from that and you haven't healed. Yeah. Because you're walking into like situations where now you have the power, but you've spent 16 years all the way, 18 years graduating high school with having no power. And now 48 hours later, once you get the badge, now you have power. We got to talk about this, man. We got to open a forum and be like, what, it, what is your main objective, top five in being a cop? And, 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 and I don't know. I'm an extremist, dude. I'll do a fucking lie detector because I bet power will come up there a lot. Yeah. As long as you're self-aware, dude, you literally just said you were self-aware. You're like, Cosmo, I have problems being intimate because of my child. That's emotional intelligence, bro. Hmm. You see, when you defend it, when a cop's like, nah, I'm good. I don't have anger problems. Listen, I don't. It's like, dude, like, we got to talk about this, man. Yeah. So I think it's an easy fix, but I think it's such a hard topic to talk about right now. And usually the easiest thing to do, if it's too easy, people be like, that's not the answer. But it usually is the answer but human beings we complicate it so much hmm. the black guy that did that youtube clip where he was talking to a white cop and yeah. then they started you know getting chills again like 
dude, he's 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 shaking things up. He's like he's like, dude, you know, we we got to talk about it. Yeah. And um, so you know, like, I think it's talking about it. I think it's like what we're doing right now. Why why cops that are listening right now, like, why not sit here and talk and 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 and, and see who? It's not about who's right or wrong. See, like, how we can get ahead. Yeah, and it's that it's it's that lack of understanding too is why I get so angry. And the reason why I really want to bring somebody here is for them to help bring down this anger, right? Because at this point, we've all heard our side. What's yours? Let's hear it. Because if there's a reason for why you're like this, not to excuse whatever happened, because fuck that, but I need to understand why. I need to understand why it takes a cop takes four or five cops to subdue one person that's not moving and you think it's okay to put your knee on his neck. What made you think that was okay? What in your mind made you think that he was such a threat that you had to keep doing that? There's a kid who died, Elijah McCain. He was a kid. He was, uh, I think he was a little bit on the spectrum. This kid, amazing kid, right? There's all these clips of him, not a single evil bone in his fucking body. The kid used to play violins for like, like foster cats. Like he's like one of those, he was going home, He's had trouble breathing because it was cold or whatever, but he had a ski mask on. And from that, somebody called in and said, hey, there's somebody walking around. With, he had a grocery bag because so he just went shopping. And they said there's a guy walking around with a ski mask, right? A scrawny little kid, a little bit on the spectrum, dancing, you know, having his time of his life as he's walking home. Cops take him down. They said that he was on drugs or whatever, that he was grabbing for his gun, which the body cam showed that he wasn't. And they subdued him. He threw up on the spot. They gave him ketamine which caused something else to happen in his body, and he passed away, and he died. And I'm thinking in that situation, what caused that cop to say he was grabbing for my gun? He didn't grab for your gun. Why do you say that? Why did it take four of you to do this one kid and basically snuff out his life, and it didn't occur to you that you were going to kill this person? There's something to that, whether it's in your training, whether it's something that you're going through emotionally because of your job or your career, there has to be something there. I, I, I genuinely, yeah, I want to say in these tweets and when I do that, fuck these cops. But at the same time, there's a, everybody is the way that they are for a fucking reason. And I want to know why, right? Because if I could understand why, then we could fix that problem. And so nobody's really having that conversation. I have, there's ex cops, as an ex cop, I want to, I don't want you. I want somebody who's a current officer right now. That's in the thick of it because you were an ex-cop for a fucking reason. You know what I mean? You chose not to be it for a reason. I want to know somebody now who enjoys their career and what they're going through right now. You nailed it with the fact that it really scares me that they do it. Again, segueing back to the guys who defend and justify what they do. Like, it, it scares me that he's not like, fuck, I fucked up. Yeah. Take me to fucking jail. I'm an idiot. Fuck it. But the fact that he has to justify it and defend it, brother, it scares me. Yeah, that's the scary part. When I watched that video, me and my boy Khalif, like we've, you know, been, you know, thinking the whole BLN thing. And that was the first time I saw a video where I, I looked at this kid who's screaming. He's like, hey, it was hard to watch because he knew that he was in danger. And he started saying things, pleading for his life. I'm not like these other people. I'm not blah, 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 blah. Because he already knew because of the color of his skin, he was at a disadvantage. And so he was like, I'm not even like that. I don't even meet, meet, eat meat. I'm not vegan. He just started saying whatever he could. So not only did they take his life away from him, they took his pride away. And I just watched that. Like today, I just started bawling. And I couldn't control it because I was so angry. I was sad. 
just watching that kid being having everything stripped away from him, including his life, was so hard to watch. The fact that he has to beg for his life saying, I'm not like the other people that you think that I am. And the kid was just walking home. That's the thing where somebody can do that and then you could walk home and feel okay like you justified it and you feel not good about it but saying like I had to do what I had to do. There's something wrong with you. There's a, You shouldn't have a badge right now or there should be some type of therapy for you when you're a cop. There should be something provided that gets you out of that mind state because he thought it was okay, you know? I agree. It It's um fucked up. <laughs> it's so fucked up. It's fucked up, and I'm like you. It, it I just want to be ignorant and get fucking angry as fuck because it's like the easiest thing, because it's easy. Yeah. And the hard part is to sit back and go, "What is the solution here? Like, like, how do we do this?" And I think a lot of it has to do with what's going on up here. You know, um, a cop, one of the cops that I taught. When he got into it, the way that he got into it, I was like, oh, he's great cop. And I'm like, brother, um, why, why did you, why did, why did you want to become a cop? Like, like what made you? Um, and he, he told me, he was like, I, um, he's like, I felt like I, I, um, he's like, I felt like I, I, I let down, um, my last marriage. Um, and, 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 and previous to that, my girlfriend and my mom, he started talking about all these people that he felt like he couldn't protect. And he's like, I want to get into it because there's people with no voices. There's people that can't protect themselves. And I want to help people. And when he told me that I'm like, this is going to be a good cop. Yeah. Cause he's, his mindset bro, is that he's not done enough to help people. So he's getting this badge going, okay, God, don't kill me today. Cause I, I know I'm behind. I know I got to help. I know I got to help. So his mindset when he wakes up is help, 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 help. Uh, old lady, what? You know, get in the back of the cop car. I'll take you home. Help, help, help. That's his objective when he wakes up. Yeah. An objective when you got your power taken away, when girls called you a stupid asshole. Fuck you. Get out of here. I don't want to go to prom with you. And you grow up. You grow up. You don't talk to anyone about it. You don't have a shrink. You don't have parents that will listen. You grow up. You become a cop. You, you're walking around with that going... I wish a motherfucker would fuck with me right now. I wish yeah. a motherfucker would. Watch. I'm going to show my other partners I'm fucking boss. I wish, I wish a motherfucker would. And there's that mindset of like getting my power back through that. You know, I, I see that with this one with this one cop. It's this Asian cop. He's been blown up all over the place. This dude named um, Jared Ewan. And you see him in the front line with that same face. I wish a motherfucker would bouncing back and forth, just happy to shoot anybody in any second. And I'm like, you are such a small man. Like you're waiting for that shit. What the fuck happened to you? That you're waiting there, waiting to give any fucking reason that you want to shoot somebody down. What happened to that guy? And it's been bothering me. It's been bothering me a lot because people ask me to do a video on him. And I'm like, there's so much shit to say about him. I don't even know where to begin because now I'm wondering why. It's like, why? You know? I think we know why, though. <laughs> I think it's it's childhood, to get, getting their power, ta- getting his power taken away, bro. It's like how, how we were talking about earlier when you walk up to the girl and you're like, "Who hurt you?" It's, like, <laughs> it's literally that to the guys like walking up to him, going, "Bro, who hurt you?" Yeah, is it your mom, your dad, your grandfather? Like, who hurt you? Because these four black kids are have nothing to do with thirty years ago of what you went through. Yeah, who 
hurt you. Yeah. But nah, homie. Alphas don't talk about their emotions, homie. <laughs> nah, nah. You know what I mean? Nah, I ain't going to talk about that. You know? Like, why? Yeah. The best fighters that I know are the most patient people before they get into a fight because they know that they have so much responsibility on the line. And the people who can't fight that are insecure about proving themselves punch another guy in five seconds and then start a fight. Same thing. Yeah. The best fighters know that, dude, with this, they can go to jail for 20 years. Cops, too. You have this gun. That means you have to be even more patient than regular people. Yeah. The other person doesn't have to be patient. You do. Same thing. UFC yeah, fighters, yeah, dude. Yeah. Bro, they get put, they, they have patience because they're like, man, this is going to be really bad for the other person. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's like, how many times are those guys in situations where they're like, you know what? I could literally kill you right now if I wanted to, and they don't do it because they know about their power. They know where they stand. Man, that's so. Yeah, I was. It was. It's funny because we're talking about this because, like, I literally just talked to my buddy right before you came here, and we we're just talking about. I wonder why watching Elijah McCain's video, why that just broke me down today, you know. And even when like me being the guy not being able to like emote very well with my fiance, it's like she came down. She goes, "You look so." sad right now and i was like i'm not sad i'm not sad you are i'm not crying you are <laughs> yeah you know i'm not cleaning the house okay yeah what you trying to do you want to argue about something yeah like this i'm gonna spill this right now yeah. <laughs> i'm like she was like you look so sad i was like i'm sad i'm sad <laughs> yeah i mean who the fuck's sad she just came up to me and she hugged me and it that's felt it. really good that's all i needed that's it you know and i think that was a very good move for her because i didn't want to talk about it i just because i couldn't even explain it in words why because I just experienced, I just watched that video and it tore me. So like for her, I think it was nice that she came and she just hugged me and then she went back upstairs. I was like, thank you. That's all I needed. That's it. Yeah. What do you have right there? Oh yeah. So I was going to show you this. So uh, this is Counterpunch. This is um, the first film I ever wrote, produced, starred in. And it was hey. based on my life uh, growing up in Miami and um, yeah, with Danny Trejo and Stephen Bauer from Scarface. and um, You wrote this too? Yeah, I That's wrote it, produced wild, it. I found the money for it. I had no idea. And um, I shine at being ignorant when it comes to like being an actor. We were talking about it before. What you uh -huh. like is the rejection. Bro, I'm as ignorant as they come when being an act actor. Like, I didn't know how hard that was going to be. I'm like, I'm going to raise the money. They're like, dude, you've never done a film. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I was so ignorant yeah. that I got it done. Because I didn't know the odds of how hard it was. And so I raised the money and we sold it to Lionsgate. That's amazing. Yeah. Got Danny Trejo on this, man. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah, and I've gotten a lot of sweet letters over the years from that movie. And, you know, it... it um. When did this come out? Uh, Like six, seven years ago. Oh, shit. Yeah. This is... What was it like doing your own film for the first time? Was it... Was it... Cathartic. Was it... Um, scary. A lot of digging deep and exposing yourself. Yeah. Um, fear. That's so crazy, man. Like, I, I, I always, when I see somebody who gets to, what people don't understand about acting sometimes is like, when you, when you play a character that somebody else asks you to play, it's very difficult, right? But there's also this other thing of, there's a certain satisfaction that you feel from creating stuff that came from you. Like it feels different. It doesn't matter if some, I don't give a fuck if a million people hated it, right? It's as long as it was true to me and I th thoroughly enjoyed it. That's all that fucking matters, right? And I could only imagine like what this felt like completing what you were doing just because you had that moment in your life where you're like, this is what I'm made for. And then 
you fucking made a film. That's amazing. And I forgave my mom a lot through that film because I had to write her character. So when you're writing, you have to get behind and justify each character. Yeah. So I had to write her dialogue and I'm like, oh, I've never seen it through this point of view. Oh, that must have been so tough, it huh? opened me up to being like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was really young when she had me. She, you know, I'm grateful she didn't get an abortion. She did that. I started to open up and be like, I've never thought about it like that. And that's the power of empathy. But oh, um, yeah. yeah. That, that kind of helped out my relationship with my father a lot because it was very, very turbulent. And even till this day, there's like remnants of it because obviously it's not going to just disappear overnight. But even for me, uh, I got to empathize with my father because he's so emotionally blocked off. I didn't, I don't know anything about his life story from his own mouth. I had to hear it from my mom. Really? At all? Like you couldn't At say all. pops. Like what? he'll just – wow. He just dance around it. He has very general stories. But my mom is the one that kind of helped me understand who my father is and who my father was, right? So I had – like he was so hard on me all the time. Right. And, you know, arguably there was a point where I didn't talk to him for almost two years because we got into a huge, huge fight. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to pursue what I wanted to pursue. But my father, my mom told me to, I think the, the thing that kind of hit me really hard, she goes, you know, you, you fight with your father a lot and it, you, you feel like, you know, he has everything and he just always pushes you down. And I was like, but your father is probably one of the saddest people I ever met in my life. And I was like, why, why do you say that? Right. And I was like, he always, he beats me down, you know? So she goes, your father is somebody who is so emotionally unintelligent that he wants to be your best friend and he doesn't know how. So not only does he not have you as a friend, even though he wants you to be, he wants his family to be a certain way. He's so emotionally stupid. He doesn't know how and he just keeps pushing you further and further away. So you have to understand he's trying his best every day, but all he's doing is pushing you further and further back and it tears at him. But he can't even tell you that, but he tells me. I see it in him. I've been with him for you know since you were born. So that kind of helped me understand my dad a little bit. And I, I kind of started to realize I'm expecting my father to change into somebody he's not going to be. So I had to make a shift in my life, right? It's like, oh, when my dad says this, this is what he means. Versus me telling my dad, don't say this, don't say that. He, he's not going to do it. He's, he's already been beaten and scarred. His, his, like, I found out that my aunt, my older aunt, like kicked him out when he was young. So my, my grandpa used to be really wealthy back in the day um, through a lot of, financial problems, which I didn't even know about. Uh, my grandpa lost all of his money. So my so my dad became impoverished. He was super fucking poor. He so poor that my his mom lived with my his older sister. So their mom lived with his older sister because her husband at the time took him in. But they said that my dad couldn't go with him too. He's like, oh, I'll take you in, you know, your mom and dad in, but your brother can't live with us. So he has to figure out his own way. So his own sister kicked him out in the streets. So he had to live with his best friend at a motel that they owned, and that's that's where he lived, and that's where he had to survive. So he has this idea of what he wanted as a close family because he never had it, even though he had his own siblings. So he didn't get to have that. So it's like – but because he wasn't really taught on how to have a close family, he doesn't know how. He was like, you know, your grandma and your your grandfather, you expect me to have conversations with you. And this is the only time that he actually opened up to me is this was like maybe three years ago is where it's our last fight that we ever had. And I literally told him like – Long story short, with this one, he basically opened up and he said, you want me to have conversations with you like you have conversations with your mom. And I was like, I can't do that. And I was like, why? Why can't you do it? I was like, every time you talk to me, all you do is you lecture me. You call me dumb. You call me stupid, whatever. He goes, I can't. This is how I talk because that's how your mom, that's how your grandfather and your grandmother spoke to me. This is all I know. Like you want me to ask you how your day is. You want me to do, I can't. That's your mom. 
I can only talk to you and love you the way I can. So at this point, either you accept me for who I am or you just, or you're not going to love me. And I was like, oh shit, I'm wrong. You know, I'm wrong. I fucked up because I kept on expecting to be something that he wasn't. And that's what the thing I was mad at him for. I was doing the same thing that he was doing to me. But the difference is, is that I think my responsibility as a younger generation who had things that he didn't, I should be able to empathize with him more because he didn't have these tools. I do. So I should be able to use it. You know, it's kind of, thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're very self-aware. It, you know, it's kind of like every, everyone hearing us right now, when do we break the fucking cycle? Yeah. Like, when does this shit stop? Like, or, like, cause you even said it part of what uh, the arguments you get into with your girls. Cause you're kind of like your dad. Yeah. As I'm hearing you, I'm like, Oh shit. You're, you're him but you're but you're self-aware and number two you take actionable steps to be like okay i you know because look the last 10 15 20 25 years self-improvement has became the cool thing so now we're all the tony robbins we're all like aware like okay we can improve ourselves old school generations like your dad are like nope this is the way i am (laughs) it's like literally he's telling you i can't change and someone like me is like Bro, you take my seminar, you could change in like 30 hours. <laughs> yeah. So literally, homie, you could change. Yeah. Like you could. So um, I'm curious, when's the last time you guys said, like you said, I love you to him or he said to you? Shit, we don't say I love yeah, you. Yeah, I yeah. say I love you to my mom yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah. I talk to my mom probably three or four times a week. Whenever I'm in the car and it's a drive that's past 10 minutes, I don't listen to music. I actually just call her and we just have great conversation. My dad, I don't think he's ever said I love you to me once in his whole life. Yeah. And now that you mentioned it, I heard him said I'm sorry once, and I think it was by accident. Like he uh, he messed up a phone number that he was supposed to give me, and I was like, ah, it's actually a six. He goes, oh, sorry. I was like, what? <laughs> was like, can, can you say that one more time? Yeah, I was like, did you? What? I didn't even know he knew the word. You know what I mean? But he said sorry. That's the only time I ever remembered him saying sorry. My mom, even my mom doesn't say sorry, but she says I love you a lot. You know, and that woman's crazy too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love I love what you're saying because like it's also the theory of nurture versus nature. Like, so we grow up, and is it like nature is the way that we're genetically hardwired? Like, oh, I'm gonna be like this because my dad was this X Y Z, or can uh, nature work where it's like you get adopted parents, but you get flooded with validation, compliments. You're smart enough, Cosmo. You could do it. You could do it. But my twin that's genetically just like me let's say that i have a twin he he goes off to another like road like gang member and killing people and all that so i'm always fascinated with like i feel that nate that that it even though we're genetically hardwired that way we can change it it's your mom giving you love your mom giving you that empowerment you having someone in your life where they can give you all that love yeah it's really freaking important yeah well, man, hey, that was a deep podcast. <laughs> I love it, man. We kind of opened up the whole conversation to everything else. Hey, Cosmo, where can they find you, man? Where can these guys get help? Um, I mean, just just talking to you right now, feeling that I I had a lot of these answers in my head. I didn't know shit, which is great. So, I mean, somebody who who does, I mean, I don't I don't want to call it like you know, pick up artist advice. I would say more like life coaching and kind of helping people with these social situations. Where can they find you? Yeah, so my Instagram is Coach Cosmo with a K. So Coach Cosmo with a K. And I'm just launching a new uh, platform called Yes Man, where I'm no longer like charging money for like one product, but it's like an ongoing uh, monthly thing where they can have me in their life once a week. I check in on them, give them challenges, give them things to do, work on. 
Um, so it's called Yes Man, and maybe can we touch a link somewhere where we? Oh yeah, this? I'll put whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, link. And so I mean, it's I I I feel like what you know I'm getting um out on these platforms like yourself, and now people are seeing me. They're like, damn, I I like this guy. So I'm doing like a, a like a whole new reinvention. It's called Yes Man, and it's all about like empowerment dating and just like how do we keep it consistent i used to do a lot of three-day seminars and then they would they're very effective but what i found out is they would be on a high for like four months and then they would start to go back into their old patterns so i'm like why not do something like netflix like every month you pay for it and you have me in your life and my coaches and things like that so i'm oh, extremely awesome. excited anybody that has any kind of trouble with social anxiety anybody that's going through a heartbreak Anybody that's suffering from like just depression, being lonely, you don't have anybody to go out with on the weekends. I have a step-by-step -step formula on how you can reinvent yourself. I did it myself on national TV. I'm the perfect person because I've gone through all of it through hell and back. So yeah, we'll attach a link and my IG is Coach Cosmo and hopefully I can come back, man. I really love your yeah, vibe, dude. dude. This was a lot of fun. Oh, that was awesome. Well, you guys can catch the Genius Brain podcast every Thursday and Sundays and you guys know what it is and we'll see y'all next time. Peace.